Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. You guys want to hear something really fucked up? Yeah. There's a Pabst Blue Ribbon in my fridge right now. I don't nice. know how it got there. I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> drink really, it. I don't really want to drink that beer. Uh, Pabst is fine. I don't know that I've ever actually had one. I've just only yeah. ever, like, been walking through a parking lot and looked down and I saw some guys sitting on this leaning against the building drinking one. I think that's the only time I've ever actually seen it. The the only problem I have with Paps, so Paps used to be a really good cheap beer, but hipsters made it super popular because it was a really good cheap beer and they raised the price on it. And now it's just like a lower tier expensive beer. Why on earth would you drink PBR if you have to pay regular beer prices for it? So you're telling me it's actually going to taste good? Yeah, it's fine. But I like compared, it. To, compared to other American beers, though? Compared to other American beers. All right. I would, yeah. I would call it... Uh, I'm trying to think of a good beer to compare it to. They're, they're not the same thing, but like... Rolling Rock, you know what I mean? Like, Rolling Rock's all right. <laughs> that's yeah. that's about where Paps is. Paps is all right. <laughs> if I'm gonna if I'm gonna Look. drink cheap beer, I'm gonna drink Miller High Life. It's the champagnia of beers. <laughs> Look, uh, don't make it your first beer. Make it like your third beer, and it's fine. Well, See, I'm not even. I'll, I'll sit down and drink a six pack of Pabst. Pabst is fine. I just wouldn't pay for it. No. Hmm. <laughs> now I'm wondering whether it's brewed in Canada and might taste different than what you guys are describing anyway. Maybe. Yeah, maybe you're just getting the label. I was yeah, going to say, where the fuck is Pabst brewed at? Is it a. It's, was, is it, I, th- I was thinking it's a Wisconsin beer, right? Uh, I have no idea. Too bad we don't live in the future where we could just ask some machine about that. You guys, you guys do know that Americans don't make good beer, right? Like generally speaking. No, no, I, I, I disagree, sir. The big American beer companies do not make good beer. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it was established in Milwaukee, but is currently based in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking it was one of those. And how, where is it brewed for the Canadian market, though? Can you look that up? Oh, here we go. Like, one of the frequently asked questions right below, who makes Pabst Blue Ribbon in Canada? Uh, Stroh's makes Pabst Blue Ribbon in Canada. A uh, different label and higher ABV than American PBR. That makes sense. 
I don't really know what ABV is, but I know higher makes it have a stronger flavor. So, alcohol by volume. Yeah. It's got more booze in it. It's a boozier yeah. beer. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was gonna say you can't you can't shit on all American breweries because I'm not just microbrew is good, but like brands of beer like Yingling, which you've probably yeah, Yingling never. Is, no, Yingling is my favorite American beer. Yeah, I was going to say. It's what I drink when I'm down there. Yeah, it's probably not ever coming down there again at this point. But the only the only unfortunate thing about Yingling is you can really only get it in like the uh, lower eastern quarter of the United States for some reason. Uh, They have just made a movement to go national. So oh, nice. Should be available across country within I think by 2021, mid 2021 or something. Yeah, I was going to say, the other thing America is good at is uh, taking a great beer and then having one of the big companies buy it out and turn it into a shitty beer. Like Moosehead. Moosehead used to be delightful. Then Coors got it and pumped all their racism into it. Now it just tastes like (laughs) shitty-ass, not Moosehead beer. Moosehead is still brewed by Moosehead in Canada, so. Yeah, see, now here it's uh, Coors. And literally all Moosehead in Canada is brewed in like one spot out east. And you well, can't I'm going to come up there and get the good Moosehead. Moosehead's really good here. It's a solid lager. It's, you cannot get tours of the brewery, though. I went there once and asked for a tour, and they wouldn't give me one. So. <laughs> they can't. They can't, <laughs> so, they can't divulge the finishing process. Because <laughs> a lot of breweries give tours, so I just assumed I'd that they did and we like i was with a couple of buddies obviously i didn't just go by myself and i'm like walk in and we're like is is there like is there like tours and they're like no and they're like did you guys come here thinking there was tours i'm like well kind of and they're like where are you from and we're like three provinces away right like it takes like a (laughs) day to get there and he's like you guys drove all the way here without without checking the website Like we're here for other reasons. Like it's just we're we're all the people there. We're all the people there dressed in suits and and looked suspiciously similar. No, it's like one kind old guy behind the counter at the gift shop. Three more beers till Halloween. Halloween. See that was that was Noah's attempt. Three more beers till Halloween. Shamrock. Don't forget about the drawing, kids. Should we just get that out of the way? Should we, <laughs> Doug? Doug, do you want to tell us about Halloween Three? Because I know no. you were super excited to talk about it. That's a misleading statement. That's a that's a partial <laughs> truth at best. Oh, <laughs> um, really? I got to tell you the fucking plot of this movie. Yeah. Um, Episode one fifty, baby. Triple triple feature. Fucking... Come on, Doug. There's robots and a cult and Stonehenge Halloween masks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a guy that gets killed. So the doctor on call that day and the guy's um, daughter decide to go to the town where they make Halloween masks to investigate the murder. Mostly, I think the doctor's there to fuck the daughter, who he may or may not believe is an adult. Well, because... I mean, it's t- it's Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins is there to fuck everybody. So, I mean, but did you I, guys notice that this movie implies that he has he fucks every female character? 
every single female character that's on screen, they're like, he's fucked her, by the way. <laughs> See, the only problem I have with the Tom Atkins character, because I'm fine, it's the 80s. He fucks all the female characters, that's how it goes. But he bangs at the daughter, like, because they just, whatever about him, she's just like... He's like, maybe she had a different hotel room. She's like, you better not. Well, I'll sleep in the car. You better not. I'll sleep on the floor. Get in the fucking bed, Tom Atkins. Right? <laughs> so he has yeah. sex there. And then immediately she's like, well, that was fun. Let's do that again. And he's like, wait, how old are you? And I'm like, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah, no. He asks no. how old she is after he fucks her. That's right. No, like, and the thing is, she does not look underage to me at all. So no. I was just assuming she was an adult. But now you've got it in my head that the Tom Atkins character – think she might be underage so he gets one in before he checks <laughs> and now i don't like the guy anymore better now better I he thought she was of age but but her excitement to have sex more than once in a 24-hour period made him highly suspicious that she was in high school uh, i just I, it creeped me out i didn't like it and i forgot that that happened in this movie because i haven't seen it in a while and I'm like, it happens. And I'm just like, no, you're ruining it. Uh, something funny or about that fucking scene. Italian where you announce she's underage after you show her naked. <laughs> something funny about that scene is that girl had a no nipple clause in her contract. <clears throat> like you could show her boob. You just can't show like the nipple part. <laughs> so in order to get around that, they just have him like go full mouth on the boob. And part of me is just like, is that better? Like this guy you just met, you just rather have your whole boob in his mouth rather than just maybe showing your nipple on screen by accident. <laughs> well, the the irony was she had a no nipple clause and he had a mouth on titty clause because he's Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, maybe she got on set, saw that mustache, and had that clause written in just so that. I was getting ready to say it's in top Tom Atkins's mustaches writer that, <laughs> that the mustache gets to make breast contact. <laughs> it's like it's like the, the mustaches writer says breast contact and the holder of mustache must wear a trench coat at some point during the film. That's about it. Everything else is up for grabs. God, God, I love this fucking movie. Do you think? Do you do you think someone asks him like, "Do you have a mustache writer?" And then his comeback is always, "No." Do you want to be the mustache writer? <laughs> oh, I wish there'd been humor in that <laughs> in that level in this film. <laughs> Take his character from like Night of the Creeps, maybe, and yeah, throw that in here. All right. You know, the same character, but it's just yeah. a better movie. Because <laughs> Tom Atkins plays Tom Atkins in all movies. He's the Tom Cruise of his day in that sense. Well, except for the fog, because, I mean, the must he didn't have the mustache in the fog. Yeah, you're So he, he wasn't at full power. He was only at, like, <laughs> 95% rather than 100. Like, yeah. like Samson. He just <laughs> can't shave the stash. Oh. All right. Oh, we do have to get through the plot. We didn't get through the plot description very far, did we? No, we got to the Tom Atkins boob sucking, and then we stopped. That was that was really the key plot point I thought from the first half of the film. 
Anyways, the creepy dude that runs the mask factory wants to... Who also builds robots on the side wants to get everyone to get killed by masks on Halloween because of his reasons that he gives. That's funny. I kind of double up. He both he both is doing some kind of weird pagan sacrifice, and at the same time he's just like fuck kids, (laughs) 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 which which I kind of dig. I I can appreciate his his hard line on fuck kids. Well, you got to be careful with that because Tom Atkins will do it and then ask him to rage after. <laughs> I think that's. I think one of the things I really dislike about this movie is the fact that, well, first of all, his motivation isn't clear because he does say it's all just a big prank, and then he proceeds to turn around and give all these other reasons, and I'm like, but I don't know which one of these is true. It's like, it's like the Joker, but not interesting. Where yeah. I'm like, you have I these think multiple. All of, them, all of them are true. Wow, and the same the same thing. I, I just I don't. You either build robots or you're a witch. You don't get to do both. <laughs> I don't. I just don't like it that he does both. I just I find that Listen, annoying. Listen, the masks are also like they've got a computer chip in them that has right. a little bit of Stonehenge stone dust, and somehow <laughs> by watching a very specific TV commercial, the the chip activates the magic of Stonehenge and basically <laughs> melts the child head and causes creepy, crawly bugs and eels and snakes to come out of their head and kill their parents as well. Yes. Which The thing is, I feel like you're making my points, but you're saying it in such a more positive tone than I would. <laughs> oh, that's a, I did, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll say it for the thousandth, thousandth time. Fucking season of the witch is a badass 80s horror movie. It's a, it's a shitty movie to be in the Halloween franchise. <laughs> that 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 part it was a bad miscalculation on everybody's part. But this is one of the most fantastically batshit movies ever put together. It's like fucking Stepford Wives, fucking and a cult movie, and I, why are the robots Irish? Nobody fucking knows why the robots are Irish. Because for some reason, the dude who leads the Irish robot cult, not fucking Irish. <laughs> yeah. See, here's the thing. I, I don't agree with very much what you just said. Because <laughs> <laughs> I agreed with the part where you said this shouldn't be in the Halloween franchise. But that's not really relevant because it, it's just it's not a good movie otherwise. Because the problem is, like, you're, you're, at, you're saying, oh, it's got all this batshit crazy stuff. But the movie doesn't know it's batshit crazy. It's taking itself super seriously. Like, we're going to be involved in this mystery. I feel like we're, that's relevant. We're not. <laughs> accidental accidental bad shittery is on a nearly equal footing to intentional bad shittery <laughs> sometimes it's better sometimes we like Chud. confuse the world <laughs> Chud, Chud didn't know it was insane when it was being made it just came out that way and everybody was like this is delightful <laughs> yeah. I don't know I just, I don't like the atmosphere of this movie. I don't, like, I feel like they're concentrating on this mystery that I'm not particularly interested in. Then when the resolve comes, I'm like, 
I don't understand why there's robots and fucking Stonehenge in the same movie. I don't agree with that. <laughs> like, I think that, like... Not just, were... not just robots. Robots that, for some reason, have the weird yellow blood from Phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> I, I don't really care what color their blood is, because there shouldn't be robots in this movie if it's about, like, magic-y and shit. Um... I think I'm gonna fall probably between you guys. Like, well, there's a lot of room in there. <laughs> I didn't uh, like. I haven't seen this movie for like 20 years, and uh, I didn't hate it. But man, first two thirds of it, it runs pretty slow. All that stuff where like they meet that family driving around in the RV and stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't. What is what is going on there? And every five minutes, Tom Atkins has to call home. And they wrote in the subplot with his wife and kids just so they could have his wife yell at him over the phone every five minutes. And it's like, why? We don't need that. Well, because he's a shitty parent. I think the biggest. But he, no, but he's not even biggest, a shitty parent. In the, the biggest movie, thing. Of the, oh, he's a fucking terrible parent. We No, you assume he's a terrible parent because the wife keeps telling him he's a terrible parent. But for all we know, he's a good parent. He just had a legitimately good reason to have to leave the kids this one weekend. And his wife says, that. So we don't know which one of those is true. It, did, did he have a legitimately good reason? He's a doctor. It's not his job to go uh, okay. investigate a murder as an excuse to fuck some chick. Okay, not today, but in the 80s. Of course doctors investigated murders. I don't. Did you not have a TV in the 80s? <laughs> he's, That's what they did. He's basically Matlock with Tom Mackins' mustache. Did you not see Diagnosis Murder? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of mustaches. It's yeah, no, but the, to be fair, in the eighties it was doctors' jobs to investigate, at least in television world, right? Yeah. That's like saying, Oh, it's not your job to like chase the protagonist all over the country just because you're a local news reporter. But in the eighties, that's what they did apparently. So <laughs> it's I don't know what to tell you, but you know. Uh, also, I've decided to completely recontextualize this movie, and now forever in my head canon, this is actually a prequel to Shit's Creek, and that that weird <laughs> fucking motel they're hanging out is the uh, Rosebud. Uh, well, me and Amanda are going on through that right now. <laughs> that, that makes it's me so, so happy. It's so fucking funny. What's uh, my brain's going blank? The mom, what the fuck is that actress's name? Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, Catherine O'Hara. She is a fucking genius. Like, she should have all the awards <laughs> just piled up around her because she plays she plays an insane person so well that you are absolutely convinced that she is an insane person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so like I was saying, the first two thirds, I feel it's really slow, but then I feel like the last third, like there's tons of shit going on and some of it's pretty awesome. Right. It really, when the, uh, when the robo, uh, suit factory workers rip the bum's head off, I feel like it really goes up from there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the movie, cause, cause the movie starts pretty solid, you know, with the, uh, the weird chasing with the guy and then, uh. And then he gets murdered by that dude just jamming his fucking fingers into his eyes and breaking his skull. Yeah. Which that's, and I was like, fuck yeah. But then there's that lull. There's a lull between that 
and dude getting his head ripped off. That is most certainly the biggest problem with this entire movie. If if it had just kept that up and just kept getting weirder and weirder and weirder, I maybe people would forgive it more. See, I, I actually agree with what you're saying right now, which is that if it took a different tone and the tone was, you know, every two minutes, some guys can get his head ripped off. I think I'd run with it more. I'd be having a lot more fun throughout the movie. Right. That's, yeah. that's what I was saying is it slows down for so long and we get all this stuff of them like talking but not really saying anything interesting. And well, that, it's a big chunk of the movie where that's happening. And then we like yeah. the people in the RV, I'm like, first of all, they shouldn't be in the movie. Second of all, if they're going to be in the movie, why are they cartoon characters but Tom Atkins isn't? It's like, make up your mind what's going on here. And then yeah, again, so- you know, like that's it's the same thing when you get yeah, but without to, that. Now there's four different fucking explanations for what the guy's doing. And it's like, no, make up your mind what movie you're making. But but without that 35 minutes, how would they establish that Tom Atkins has fucked every nurse in that hospital? <laughs> it would just have you seen that mustache it's we don't very... need to explain to us respect your audience <laughs> I was getting ready because I mean it's weird there's like the first one she's like I made you milk and cookies and he's like grabs her ass and she's like hey, hey, hey I play for keeps and then the next thing that happens is after the body dies the I don't even know what the fuck the other is she the coroner what the fuck is she doing because she's trying uh... to do an autopsy on a pile of ashes which is interesting but they established that he's fucking her too yeah yeah yeah. but what's really weird about her is it doesn't matter that he's fucking her what matters is that she's like illegally doing this autopsy so she's not the coroner so wouldn't you want the autopsy done by the most qualified person if you're genuinely trying to solve the murder it seems like he just had a random nurse and he's like you do this one that way I know you'll give me the true answers it's like what is going on in this hospital that the coroner is lying to the doctors about the causes of death (laughs) Biggest. So there, there are two things in this movie that every time I watch it, uh, I'm very confused by. Which I know, Doug, you would say that's everything. But in, no, I'm, in not my that, case, I'm not that confused by the movie. Right. Just, just don't enjoy it. But there are two things. Number one, with the coroner lady, because we flash back to her about twenty times, and she keeps being like, "It's nothing but car parts. Why the fuck, you know?" But. Right at the end, she finds that weird little, uh, I don't, it looks like a piece of a rotary telephone. (laughs) And she spins it three times. And then clearly she figures out that the guy was a robot. Yeah. How? How from spinning the little rotary phone thing do you get from spinny rotary phone thing to that man was a robot? what (laughs) What you do is you have to be a character in a poorly made film. And then it becomes much more obvious. Like, see, again, like you're pointing out the problems with the movie. Uh, you're right. That's dumb. And it's in this movie, which is part of why this movie is dumb. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> but then you're the one that's upset about it. No. Fuck. No, I'm confused by it. I actually find it. Listen, when, when something is bad and it's charming, I can forgive it. That's bad charming. Because she spins a little rotary thing and she figures out that it's a robot. I'm just saying that doesn't make any fucking sense. Still great. Uh, <laughs> the the other thing is at the end of the movie, whenever he's running around with the girl after he saves her, uh, she helps him drag the box of weird magical computer chip 
clothing tags. Man, this movie's <laughs> it's got layers. Uh, and, and dumps it on top of all those people, killing all of them, and opening up what is apparently some kind of computer circle gateway to uh, fucking Narnia, <laughs> fucking uh, <laughs> Stonehenge hell. I don't, I don't fucking know. But then, after they escape, it's revealed that she was a robot, that she got replaced. But, but if she got replaced, why did she help him? kill all the other robots and the dude well, see what, what you're neglecting is that that particular robot is a character in a poorly made film <laughs> that's the answer to all of your questions oh Doug explained it I'm back on track well, uh, I watched the special features because I have the giant Halloween box set yeah. and they do have they do have interviews with Tommy Lee Wallace who made this and uh, so one of the things one of the things I at least I'm just like, fuck yeah, go I go right ahead there, Tommy Lee Wallace. Is that uh, he really doesn't give a shit about all these discussions? So someone asked him like, so was she a robot the whole time, or was she replaced after they got kidnapped? And he's like, I don't fucking know. See, <laughs> see that's the thing. I feel the director of the film should know. Uh, <laughs> I know. You say you say that, Doug, but I think I think I just started to like this movie even more. Jesus <laughs> and when someone asked him about all the crazy shit about like, well, how come the the tags like just pretty much make the robots pass out, but they turn people's heads to bugs, and why does it turn people's heads to bugs? And he's just like magic, man. That's pretty much his explanation. Stonehenge computer programming commercial magic. (laughs) So I give him credit for that, that he's just like, you're thinking way too hard about this. But I know that, Doug, that makes you really hate this movie. No, like your your movie's supposed to make sense, right? And I get like not every movie is a fucking – not every director is Christopher Nolan. You're not going to find these deep layers and metaphors and all sorts of crazy shit in the movie. But it has to just make sense on a base level, right? I, and, yeah. Well, no. You know what I mean? Even in Commando, they showed you where he got the plane so he could fly to the island. Like, you have to make – there has to be a story that progresses logically and rationally, and then that's fine. You can do some crazy shit in, in there as long as it fits the rules of your universe. You don't get to make a movie where things just don't make sense and expect me to like it. Okay. Now, see, that that caveat at the end of expecting you to like it? I think is true, but all the rest of that stuff is pretty much once again, dispassionately proven with phantasm. Phantasm makes no goddamn sense. It is an incoherent psychopath dream. And most I would, well, we'll, we'll call it a preponderance, a preponderance of horror fans (laughs) love phantasm. Uh, Doug, from what I remember, yeah, Doug. I, Doug I mean, does not. I I've only seen. I've only seen it once. I did not enjoy it. It did not make me want to go see the rest of the series. So, which is which is fine. Like I said, and the people who don't like uh, Phantasm fucking hate Phantasm. Like, that's just a general thing that happens. That's fine. I forgive all those people. They're wrong, but I forgive them. 
<laughs> I, I don't know how to contradict the argument that no movie, no plots aren't supposed to make sense. Like I, I don't know how what to where to go from there. No, not it's it's not that plots are supposed to make sense. It's that the plots do not have to make sense for a movie to be a good movie. It makes it easier for it to be a good movie if the plot makes sense. I'll allow for that if something is like cartoonish and over the top and ridiculous. Slapstick comedy often doesn't have a plot that makes sense. But this movie takes itself way too seriously, expects you to be too interested in the mystery of it all and the characters to turn around and not make sense. But there this is robots. not a film that... This, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. I also, I think, I think also one of the big things that sells me on this movie every time I watch it, I fucking love the end of this movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I, I genuinely him, dislike it. Really, him on the phone screaming for them to remove the third commercial and it just cuts off. That is, I don't, because obviously this this movie's got some. Uh, uh, roots in like 1970s sci-fi horror and that is the 1970s sci-fi horror ending of you don't you don't get the ending you got like it's going one way or the other either everyone's fucked or it's gonna be okay and you don't get to know which one it was well i can actually answer some of that well so okay so but i just want to point out that i disagree before we get any facts involved and ruin all the fun, I want to point out that I disagree with you on two different levels, Noah. Number one, I, I don't like the ending because I feel it's like one of those like dark nihilistic 70s endings. I agree, but I just don't feel this film has earned that because it tonally it hasn't led us in that direction this whole time. And we've been talking about robots and fucking Stonehenge for the, the half an hour leading up to that moment. So I, that's why it bugs me. But secondly, I also don't think it's this like tribute to old movies. I think it's just the producers trying to make them do something that happened in the first film. I feel like the first film ended with that sort of Loomis looking over the balcony and Michael's gone. And they're like, it's a Halloween film. Do that kind of an ending again. And so they do the same sort of thing where. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't no. don't don't get me twisted. I don't think the director is doing some kind of uh, brilliant 1970s callback. I'm just saying. It's clear that he watched a bunch of 1970s movies, and and um, that bleed bled into his work. I can uh, I can literally answer this question for both of you. Yes, do the thing. Um, so I actually met Tommy Lee Wallace before. I told him that I blamed him for thinking clowns are creepy. Um. The podcast I was doing at the time, we were doing like a Halloween episode, and we were just asking everybody what their favorite hol- like Halloween or horror movie scene was. And at the time, he expressed that uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is his favorite movie of all time. And the reveal of the actress towards the end that she's actually a pod person, that's like his favorite moment ever. Uh, so if you watch this movie and on these special features, he has confirmed this. The movie is set in the same town, Santa Mira, that Invasion of the Body Snatchers takes place in. At least the same name anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, in that pretty much the last 20 minutes is his homage to 
the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, including her turning out to be a robot, that whole thing, and that he ended it in specifically a way that the director wanted to end the original Invasion, the scene with Kevin McCarthy screaming into the camera, the, you know, they're coming for you, yeah. sort of thing. And then they had to tag on the little... You know, not nihilistic ending at the very end of that movie because the studio made him. So he basically is like, well, I'm going to do sort of this movie's version of the nihilistic ending to sort of uh, not course correct, but just sort of just an homage of how Invasion should have ended. And it was sort of his love letter to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Well, okay. See, uh, and then I the, to your to your other point of it being unearned. I actually one of the things I really really like about the ending is so once again if we go back, there's this whole subplot of him neglecting his children. Right? We we see them once, and then the rest of the movie is him basically lying to his wife to to get out of visiting his children so that he can fuck this girl and do his crazy adventure. But, uh, that the whole thing at the end where all of a sudden he realizes that his kids have those masks and they're getting ready to get bug snaked. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That's, that's fucking just so fantastic, especially cause once again, I like the nihilistic ending of, so in my head, it, the the commercial just keeps playing right in the fucking his yeah. his kids get bug snaked and that's what he gets you know what I mean that's your horror movie punishment for being a shitty dad <laughs> like which Tom Atkins disagrees with he, he thinks once the once the camera cut he was able to get the the commercial off the TV uh, I, yeah I, but I, listen <laughs> I love Tom Atkins we cannot trust the word of Tom Atkins. <laughs> Look, he's, he's you, you have to remember that this was the 80s. There was no video phones. They couldn't see that mustache. Why would they listen to him? Right. It's true. It, it really, I mean, the ending pretends to be ambiguous, but it, because it leaves you thinking about, I wonder if it got turned off or not, you inevitably are thinking that. And then it goes, your brain should, if you're a logical, rational person, go to, why the hell would they turn off their commercial just because some guy's screaming into a phone they don't know who he is he openly admits he can't prove anything in the phone call like he's there's no way that they would have so the uh the original ending by the way it was supposed to cut to black and then you just hear the screams of children (laughs) and tommy lee wallace decided "Eh, that might be a touch too far maybe we just take the screams out and it's just a little bit more ambiguous I was getting ready to say that's real bleak. <laughs> See, I like that ending. If this was like a serious dark movie leading up to that ending, that'd be a, a cool moment. You probably got to edit the robots out to earn that moment. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like you enjoyed yourself, Doug. Yeah. I literally put this off until today, and I like gave myself enough time that I could like finish working and everything watch it and then like go for a walk to clear my head before I sit down and record. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is 
this is one I don't normally ask for feedback. I would really, 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 really like to hear as many people's opinion as this as possible. Because I, I find people like Doug in this particular case, it just blows my fucking mind because this movie's so fucking fun. <laughs> Whacked out. I don't know. Do you agree with me that it's delightful and that Tom Atkins mustache fucked everything that moved? Or do you agree with Doug that this movie sucks and that Tom Atkins mustache fucked everything that moved? <laughs> well, I think we are all in agreement that Tom Atkins mustache <laughs> fucked everything that moved. It's that's not even that's not even part of the discussion of the movie, is it? Yeah. It's just it's, that's in, not, that's it's actually even, it was actually even, in his writer that we have we have to talk about it. <laughs> I was gonna say it's not even subtext. That's just that's just full on like text in the movie. Like it's, it's one of those rules. You can only play thirty seconds of a song, and if you talk about Tom Atkins movies, you have to mention that his mustache was out fucking. <laughs> uh, I love Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins sure got lucky to be associated with that mustache, so he gets to be in all the movies that it's in, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I've been watching a lot of Tom Atkins movies lately. Same. Could you could you imagine an alternate reality where Tom Atkins never had the mustache? I'd prefer not to. Yeah, because you know I got that friend who's not. I don't know for some reason. There's there's weird shit that he hasn't seen. That's like, how have you not seen this stuff that I've been educating him on? And it's been like, you know, we watched Night of the Creeps, we watched The Fog, we watched Creep Show. Now I watch this, so I'm just like, this is amazing. I'm just watching all of Tom Atkins from the '80s. It's fantastic. Uh, so, so like I said, I was watching the special features and since of course it's a screen factory disc, they do a, uh, horrors hollow ground by Sean Clark. Who's a, um, Uber fan. And, uh, he goes to like the original locations where a lot of stuff was shot. Just sort of updates everybody. on kind of what it looks like now. And sometimes he gets people to, uh, tag along with him. Like Tom Atkins is in part of it. <laughs> And then he got Tommy Lee Wallace to to go with him to the little town they shot some of the stuff in. And they go to the motel to uh kind of go over that go over that section. And the owner gave them permission to kind of, you know, shoot around outside and stuff, but not to go in any of the rooms or anything, but they could shoot in front of it. And while while they're out there shooting, they keep getting heckled by this drunk guy that is staying at the motel. And he keeps calling him a poser and telling him to go back to Hollywood. And, <laughs> and they cut the like camera will pan over to the guy yelling like, you know, a couple hundred feet away. And he's like flipping him off and stuff. Is is Tom Atkins with him at this point? No, it's just Tommy. Him and Tommy Lee Wallace are standing. Uh, there. I was getting ready to say, if Tom Atkins is there and that dude's yelling profanities like that, that's, you can't you can't talk shit to Tom Atkins. <laughs> But you can definitely talk shit to Tommy Lee Wallace. All you yeah, want. Tom, Tommy Lee Wallace, certainly. Yeah, yeah he was just laughing. Um, but yeah, the, 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 it was just like, like it got to the point that Sean Clark, and they included all this in the episode, which I thought was hilarious. He's like, dude, we're literally going to be here for 20 minutes shooting, and then we're going to be out of here. The longer you keep yelling at us, the longer it's going to take. 
the guy's like, oh, yeah, I'll end it right now. Like, you know, yelling back and forth. Because of the point, Sean Clark's just like, all right, well, come on over, buddy, and unzips his hoodie and is all ready. And I'm like, shit, there's going to be a fucking fight. And then we get no more of the drunk guy. He must have must have went back into his room. I like that the drunk guy's, like, telling him to go back to Hollywood. It's like, does that mean you recognized him? I guess so. <laughs> you think you're a fan of Halloween 3? I live here, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, the whole thing with people who live in hotels is always weird to me. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, it's so fucked up. Since, uh, since I've started working in banking, I've discovered... Man, it's a lot more people than you think it would be. Well, I know. But there was like, like I don't know, we're way off topic on this, but there's like a, a hotel that got shut down where I live. And like there was people living in it. And there's like some newspaper articles about how, oh, oh no, what are these people going to do? And one was like two senior citizens. And they were sisters, I think. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I know what the social safety net is like. If you guys could or two senior citizens you could probably afford a one-bedroom apartment like what are you doing wrong that means your only option is, is a hotel like you're doing something else with the money that you should be using to get a small one-bedroom apartment and rotate who gets to go in the bedroom and who has to sleep on the couch like anybody else who's poor would do. Uh, like, that's, a, that's adorable no i listen to him say stuff like social safety net <laughs> safety net sorry here here those people are just kicked out on the street and they're just homeless I was going to say, here, we give you $100 a month to buy food, but you're not allowed to have things that are warm because you're fucking poor. Yeah. <sighs> I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to bring this into politics. I was just, no, that's fine. Just weirded out by people who live in hotels. But And there's also an ice cream man that lives in a hotel not too far from me where like, he drives around in an ice cream truck, and then if you drive by the hotel at night, the ice cream truck's parked there, so I assume he lives in there. Oh God! And it's oh, like that man. That man is oh, dangerous. Yeah, don't ever take Lando to that ice cream man. That dude. That dude fucking eats people. I don't 100%. feel he does. I feel like no. You cannot. You cannot both drive an ice cream truck and live in a hotel and not be a fucking serial killer. There's no way. I mean, I can definitely. If you're a serial killer, you would do those things. I agree. But I also partially feel that it's like maybe he just doesn't make that much money selling ice cream out of his truck oh noah just just keep keep in mind noah when doug goes missing <laughs> he was said he was okay hanging out with the There's, ice cream guy I didn't say hanging out with the guy <laughs> the the police are like have you heard from doug lately no but there's an ice cream man <laughs> in his town Listen, he I'm both drives an I... ice cream truck and lives in a motel, and the cops are going to be like, oh, dear God, that <laughs> dumb bastard. <laughs> I didn't say hang out with the guy, possibly buy some ice cream. If he invites me into the truck, I'm going to go ahead and say no. Oh, <laughs> uh, No, you're not. You're going to be like, oh, you got Cherry Berry in there? You're going you're gonna to walk in those back doors and never, never walk out. You, you've seen the movie Ice Cream Man. You should know that's better. What, that's why I was getting ready to say that. The fucking some Clint Howard looking motherfucker is going <laughs> to give you a eyeball in your push pop. That sounds, that sounds like something that's way worse than what you actually meant it. All <laughs> right. Uh, let's move on to part two of our triple feature. Uh, Noah, do you want to tell people about Hellraiser 3? Yeah. 
so after the events of Hellraiser 2, where the Cenobites get all fucked up, uh, Hellraiser 3 starts with a weird statue thingy and some douchebag buying it. And of course, there's the old, uh, nah, just give me. Give me what you got, and you can have it. It was always yours. It was always yours. Yeah, you don't ever buy stuff when someone says that to you. Yeah, I was I was getting ready to say, if, if I ever see a homeless man or if somebody ever offers to give me something that seems priceless for free, I'm just going to assume there are Cenobites involved and get the fuck <laughs> out there. Uh So it's placed into this night, cl- this dude's... I don't know, back back bedroom fuck room in the nightclub that he owns. <laughs> is that basically what it is? Because yeah. it's not like a penthouse. It's just like you go through a door and there's this fuck room. Uh, and there is also a woman trying to uh, break into journalism. She keeps getting shitty jobs and she thinks uh, something hinky is going on at this nightclub. When a dude shows up in the emergency room with a bunch of uh, chains hanging out of him, and those chains uh, magically electrify, stick straight out, and then his head explodes. <laughs> I'm, Magic, I'm not ex- yeah, I'm not exactly sure what she thinks is weird about that, but she thinks something's up. Uh, something uh, the hospital deals with on a regular basis. They see it all the time. Yep, so she tries to go investigate this nightclub and somehow instead becomes best friends with this random chick. <laughs> Just weird. Uh, then it turns out that the uh, the statue has the trapped-like essence of Pinhead in it. Sure. And also at the same time, somehow reporter chick who has not yet encountered the statue is having dreams about the dude that pinhead was before he was pinhead sure also 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 a thing uh and then of course statue wakes up and demands that uh the asshole starts feeding it people (laughs) he does that he tries to bring his ex-girlfriend over to feed her to it but she gets wise to his ways and she knocks him out and then pinhead's like hey you can escape or you could you could get up all in this all up in this hellhole, and oh. she was like, "Now, nah, right?" And so she like kicks him into the fucking statue, <laughs> uh, and then all hell breaks loose. Basically, we get a crazy disco cinnabite scene of Pinhead just fucking murdering a nightclub full of people for no reason. Uh, he creates a bunch of new Cenobites who are, uh, to put it gently, nowhere near as awesome as the original crew. <laughs> they're like no. they're, they're like the shitty 1990s edgelord version of Cenobites. <laughs> one, one of them has CDs in his head and can like launch murder CDs at you. And uh, another guy's got a camera in his head and he can... Uh, kill you with the zoom lens like alien queen style <laughs> yeah th- these cenobites seem like they're uh, people from the 90s who say they're goth because they listen to nine inch nails right right they're they're like uh if you went to buy cenobites and the cenobite store was all out of cenobites and you went to like dollar general and you were like these cheap cenobites will be fine <laughs> for uh for my 
modern audiences. It'd be like if you bought your Cenobites off Wish instead of Amazon. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so so then, of course, we get the usual thing where she has to solve the box and send them back to hell. Uh, so, obviously, the, the first big problem we have with this movie is that... Um, the I, I, the dyad the dyad of Hellraiser one and Hellraiser two is an unstoppable monolith of horror. Mm-hmm. They're they're like fucking top notch. I, I don't give a fuck who you are if you don't if you do not consider Hellraiser one and two two of the best horror movies and one of the best sequels ever created to a film franchise ever, then I don't, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Like you're, you're mistaken. Uh, well, I'll I'll tell you, start right. I I don't consider, I'm not a huge Hellraiser guy. What in the fuck? I, I don't, I don't dislike Hellraiser, but I don't love it the way some people love it or the way you're, admiring it right now i i can't even process that <laughs> that would that would be like me coming on here and being like you know what chopping ball sucks dick not true can't be true because it's chopping ball. <laughs> <laughs> yes like you couldn't say it <laughs> yeah i can't <laughs> could you even keep keep it going i right. just i don't I, I i don't know what to tell you i don't get absorbed in the film the way some other people do i don't Man, that's yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. I can see that. And I just, I, I've always said, I think Hellraiser, like, there's a lot of great ideas in there. I think maybe it's prime for a remake if it was done by the right people. I, could, I think we've proven that that is not a good idea. <laughs> well, well I said actually, done by the actually, right people is what I said. Like, yeah, actually, because I think uh, Clyde Barker has the rights back to it now. And, and from what I read, I think he just signed with HBO to do a series. See that's really Hell, Hell, Hellraiser series. So, I don't. How the fuck would you do a series? Well, I mean, like, yeah, I don't Clive know. Parker is that guy's. His brain works differently than other people's brains. Yeah, he, he thinks in paragraphs instead of sentences. So, like, yeah, he probably could stretch it out. Like, he Maybe. could just do all of the stuff he's thinking instead of being forced to confine his thoughts into a shorter time frame. Yeah. Yeah, if you've read, have you read the Scarlet Gospels, the last Pinhead story? You know what? I don't think I am. Um, he, you know, he wrote a novel that takes the lead character from Lord of Illusions and, and Pinhead and sort of pits them against each other. And he How said, "How the fuck did I not read this? That sounds amazing." I don't know. And he said, "It's the last Pinhead story. Like he, he was going to kill Pinhead off in it." And I'm just like, okay, that could be interesting. And I started listening to it and the story takes like the way it, you know, unfolds was something that I never would have imagined. So, so when Clive Barker's on board to like figure out how to do a Hellraiser series, I'm like, he may figure it out because, because yeah, like Doug said, his mind just works on a completely different level and stuff that you wouldn't even think of, like you're just like, oh, okay, that was pretty awesome, but I could not have told you that that's what this would end up being. So yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's, his brain just doesn't work. Like I watched him do a painting once at a convention. He was doing signings, and every now and again, he would just get up and walk away from the signing table, 
and like do a couple of strokes of paint and go back and sign more things. And then by the end of the fucking day, there was just this masterpiece just sitting there. And you're like, I don't was know it, how. Was it just a painting of 500 chickens? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> it All was, turkeys? It was, I, I mean, cool, like, I, know, I know you picture. think I'm joking, but he I, has done like 85 I, I, paintings that's chickens. I'm sure he has. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me in the least. My, my point about this was that his ability in his brain to just get up and walk over and like pick up the thing and just do that after he's been doing this signing for a while and just somehow these, these couple of minutes at a time broken up throughout the day, it turns it into this. I'm like, I don't know how anyone could do that. Like, I would think a normal artist would have to sit and concentrate and think that out to do it, not just be able to wander over and just go, yeah, here, here, <laughs> you know, yeah. but that's, that's just who he is. Yeah. Anyways, what were we talking about? Oh, just... Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Now I'm distracted. Uh-oh. You guys need Clive Barker chicken paintings in your life. All right. <laughs> you, you go do that and we'll talk about the movie. Um, <laughs> So I, I gonna, I'll tell you this, guys. Watching this standalone, having not watched anything Hellraiser in a while, and just like sitting down and watch, like literally having to steal this movie because I could not even find it streaming anywhere. And uh, then I'm like, okay, what am I getting myself into? Because I know it's not the most beloved movie. I think I had a lot of fun watching it. It's, yeah. it's far from great. Okay, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna argue that, but. I would say it's definitely a leveled leveled down from the first two, but yeah. it's not it's not one of, it's not the worst in the series that's for sure. Well, no, I I I know I've seen every Hellraiser movie at least once, and it's not the worst. Well, except for like the newest one, but I know it's not the worst in the series. Cause I remember vaguely what those other ones are like, but it's it's like I say the the gore is good. The visuals are super cool. Some of the visuals, like on that statue, when it absorbs like the blood and then it little parts of it'll start to come to life there's one in particular that looks like a little creepy baby thing that starts moving around and it's like yeah. even though it's like 90s cgi it still looks really good which is like kind of an accomplishment in and of itself and like yeah like the the douchebag club owner guy is like okay i get it it's 1992 you get you, this is like it was okay to have a character like this in movies back then and it's just it's hard to even process <laughs> the hell's going on with him right now but then when he gets killed you're like that's super fun to watch me get killed and when pinhead comes out into the real world and starts wreaking havoc that's a blast like that the kill scenes in the club are super fun him walking down the street and the girl's running away and the fucking sewer drains are exploding next to her and shit is fun i like the fucking cenobites that somebody ordered off a wish i think a lot of them are fun (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like again, you're right. No, it's not great horror. I'm not gonna. I'm not formulating that argument. I'm just saying, it's fun to watch, and it's like okay. So like the guy that knows how to use the camera now he's got a camera in his head when he's sitting by. All right, let's run with that. That's fun, you know. Like, and and it's you're you're part three of a series. You're at the direct-to-video level. It's the '90s. I, I don't really have that many complaints about this. Yeah. Again, not high art by any stretch of the imagination. Certainly isn't it's not great horror in the sense that you're not gonna be scared of it. But yeah. in a world in 
world where you're going to take Pinhead and turn him into a slasher, which is effectively what they're doing. This is the way you do it, right? You bring him out into the real world, you have him wreak havoc, somebody stick him back in hell. And then you have a weird scene where he fights himself. So that's 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 actually where things go awry for me. So I don't as a standalone thing, I don't like hate this movie. It's it's fine. Like even when even with the dime store set of bites and stuff, it's <laughs> it's it's interesting. I, I just like watching people get killed in horror movies, so yeah. I can I can have a good time with it. My big problem with the third one is so the first two movies are very vague, but they do kind of like establish a, a mythos of the way the box works and what what exactly the Cenobites are to an extent. Yeah. Although, although like I said, it's, it's very vague. <laughs> but this movie ignores all of that for some fucking reason, like the entire functionality of all of it. Yeah. Yeah, the thing I noticed, yeah, is... Yeah, the previous movies, you had to open the box. Pinhead shows up. I don't know. Hooks come out of the darkness, tear you apart. Pinhead goes back to hell. Right, and right. that motivation, like, I don't know what his motivations are in this. Um, like Doug said, he just kind of is released into the world. So maybe, I guess well, you could argue that yeah. the box isn't necessarily controlling him at that moment. So he can just so, kind of come out and just do whatever. The way I took it is he was kind of trapped in the statue, and if he could kill enough people from within the statue, then he would be allowed out. How he got trapped in the statue, what the hell's going on, you're well, right. the, explained. Well, once again, I, that's not necessarily the biggest problem I have, because the idea of this, um, the, that murder and blood and sacrifice and resurrection all being kind of intertwined is kind of established shit from the previous two movies. Sure. My big problem, like him just slaughtering a random room full of people Mm -hmm. is not the way that it works. I don't, does that make sense? Like that's, that's, that's not his thing. That's not. Yeah. Usually people have to call him before. Yeah. Yeah. It's desire. It's not hands that call me. It's desire. You're 100% correct, but on the other hand, remember when that lady got stabbed in the face with that ice? That was pretty fun. Yeah, it was delightful. <laughs> That's true. Once, once again, I, as a standalone thing, as its own movie, I do not hate this movie. It's fine. I just feel like you have no choice but to compare it to other films. And, and the good news is it's certainly not the worst movie in the Hellraiser franchise. No. <laughs> Uh, the bad news is that doesn't say fucking anything. Uh, and the terrible news is that once again, I did, Doug, Doug withstanding the first two movies are fucking masterpieces. They are, they are just fucking phenomenal next level shit. And compared to that, it makes this one look like a big, yeah. nasty, stinky turd. Yeah, I guess if you if you look at the first two, this the first two are almost about um, looking into a whole other world that you don't even know exists. Like this whole whatever, you know, hell or whatever you want to call it. And this one, you're not looking into that world. It's just you're looking at Pinhead, like singularly. So it doesn't seem, I guess, quite as epic. The mythology behind everything is not 
sort of as important, I guess, but. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't have, it's so hard to explain. So in the first two, there's that, that whole idea of uh, the seduction of it. Mm -hmm. And that even, even the bad bits are seductive. There's this, you know, that whole weird sadomasochistic pain, pleasure, sex and death you you know what i mean it's like the the whole idea is that that's all just it's all just one thing it's all just sensation and that these extremists will go to anything to get the next high and as it turns out eventually you hit the point where you're trapped in another dimension having your flesh peeled from your body because that's the only next level there is versus this which is a dude with pins in his head stabbing a bunch of people in a nightclub yeah which is like we've been saying, still cool. It's just yeah, still cool. It's different. Again, I yeah, you you watch this as a standalone movie. I think it's a lot more fun than if you try to think of it as part of the overall mythology. Sure. I think you're you're going right. to find yourself realizing that it's inconsistent, and that's probably yeah. true with almost any of these series from the late '80s and the '90s. Again, I think the the assumption of the filmmakers was that you were watching this one having not seen the other one in a bunch of years. And we know right. that that's not the case now, that people love to do binge-watching and stuff. So it changes everything. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it is an interesting thing in which it's uh, of the, the big 80s franchises. Most of them, it behooves you to sit down and just watch them from end to end if you had a million hours. Like... Uh, Friday the 13th with there's that weird uh hiccup when when Roy's killing people (laughs) (laughs) which but but it's still continuity so it's you know that's that story still has an arc and it still progresses forward and Nightmare on Elm Street there's that weird hiccup in two where all of a sudden Freddy is Freddy is gay angst rather than a nightmare demon but that's fine. It, it's still a, a fine movie. And once again, everything still progresses forward from there. Hellraiser, on the other hand, do not sit down and watch them in order ever for any reason. No, no. The first first two, yes. Watch the first one and then watch the second one and be like, yeah. And then the rest of them, just like throw that up on a shelf and just grab a random one every once in a while <laughs> if you're trying to get through them. Well, yeah, uh, and even you, then, like, don't bother with a lot of the later ones. That's my advice. They're not. <laughs> yeah. One of them has Lance Hendrickson in it. That's all right. Yeah, that's the one about the video game, right? Yeah. 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 You would see that's that's fine. That's fine. And and four, I know people have pretty strong reactions about four. I like four personally. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've, I've heard people argue that it's dumb to have Pinhead in space in the same people who say that enjoy Jason X, which is also the dumbest fucking thing ever. It's an amazing movie. It's just a stupid fucking idea. Yeah, but to be fair, they're completely different franchises. Right. To be fair, to be fair the, the filmmakers were like, what if we put Jason in Because that's stupid. They're like, yeah, let's do it. Right. I'm just saying, stupid, stupid fucking things work every once in a while. Um, Leprechaun, stupid fucking thing yeah. works. Leprechaun in space. Leprechaun in space still worked. Exactly. Um, Leprechaun in the idea. hood worked out worked, perfect. Worked, worked even better than than the rest of them for some reason. Nobody knows why. 
Um, all right. Do you have anything else about Hellraiser? No, again, I would just say watch it for fun, not don't take it seriously. Don't think of it as part of a larger mythology. Just isn't it cool that there's this demon inside this statue and hopefully it gets to kill everybody and then it yeah. does get to kill everybody. Yeah, I was I was going to say the other the other thing that really fucks this one up is I don't know why, but even even compared to the later shitty movies, uh, the pinhead makeup on Doug Bradley in this one sucks. Yeah, it's yeah. Cool. What's, what's he, he? They they make like the pins longer, and they're like droopy. They're like weird limp dick pins, so it looks like his head's covered in <laughs> weird tiny phalluses. It is unpleasant. Yeah, they uh, apparently he has said that uh, this was the most uncomfortable makeup that he had as Pinhead. Because apparently they changed it to make it easier and quicker to apply, but it was a lot more uncomfortable to wear. So, yeah, it's bad. Um, the big thing that ties this into the to the last movie, besides being a number three, um, so when that dude is having sex with that girl, and then you know she dies afterwards. Yeah. She apparently decided at the last minute she did not want to go topless. So the compromise was that he would have his hand over her boobs the entire time that she was on screen. Okay, so that's our secondary theme for the week. <laughs> apparently. I don't have any for the for the next movie, but so I don't I don't have any inside knowledge of the filming of the sex scene, but I will say it was real obvious that it was like how much can we show off as much of these bodies as possible without actually technically having nudity in our movie right. and it's well, like, it, i don't understand I, I was wondering something like it's clearly this movie's got to be r-rated like why aren't we just seeing nudity right now and i thought maybe it's just a, a product of its time well and once again they did this weird thing where if if you're gonna make a subpar sequel to a great movie you probably shouldn't just call direct attention to it and uh that character, they were clearly trying to make him uh, whiny, less badass Frank. Yeah, for sure. And and even like the the sex scene and stuff, because, you know, there's the uh, the sex stuff in the first movie where it's kind of it's interesting because it, him and the chick were having sex. But you can tell he's not actually interested in the fact that he's having sex with her. It's this weird, complete narcissism thing. Yeah. He's. He's interested in him having sex with her. Not it has nothing to do with her being there. In yeah, that, it's I, it's Patrick Bateman flexing for the camera while he's just having sex, right? It's the same thing. <laughs> totally. right. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But it's I I don't know. And then to have once again, he even like does the the come to daddy line and stuff, which draws even more attention to it. And you're like, yeah, but here's the thing: Frank is kind of this menacing uh, narcissist pervert and and he's just a, a rich kid little bitch with a fucking one earring like fuck fuck him yeah. I'm, glad the, I'm glad the statue ate him like <laughs> I don't know <laughs> fuck that guy fuck that guy although technically it didn't eat him it just shot pistons through his head for some reason oh yeah that's true 
Um, all right. Well, I guess that takes us to our last movie of our triple feature, which is uh, Friday 13th Part 3. 3D. Uh, 3D. And uh, some would argue maybe one of the more important entries in the Friday 13th series because it's the first movie where Jason gets his uh, hockey mask. Yeah. is just kind of a weird and random thing they just randomly threw in, and now it's the most iconic images ever. The the weirdest part about Jason getting his hockey mask is the guy is using a hockey mask to, like, jump out and scare people so they'll think he's a killer. But why would that have scared people before Jason was famous for wearing a hockey mask? (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) It's a time travel conundrum. It's a a very strange... uh, I don't get why you would do that. I think it's just proof that Shelly is actually the most menacing character in all of Friday the 13th. <laughs> uh, all right. So we start off with a recap at the very end of part two uh, with Baghead Jason taking on uh, Jenny. What's that her name? I think it's Jenny, isn't it? Oh, Jenny. Whatever. Close uh, Amy Steele, if nothing else, the actress taking on. I like how we're like, whatever, but we know her name, and she is one of the best final <laughs> girls in all of slasher cinema history. Yeah. So I just, we, sh- we well, should be giving her credit. Well, she's so badass that I know her real name. I just forget her character's name. Yeah. Um. So she, uh, Jason, takes a machete to the shoulder. Uh, they walk off. They kind of ignore the jump scare from the end of part two, but whatever. Yeah, but they've, uh, but, they've just, but they've done that every time. Yeah. Uh, then we get the sort of uh, disco-themed version of the Friday 13th theme. Because yeah. why not? That's how it goes. Uh, and then we, uh, we're getting a new group coming to Crystal Lake. And it turns out uh, this girl, Chris, is bringing some friends up to her family cabin where apparently she had a pretty bad incident years ago and where we also find out that apparently as a teenager, she was dating like a 40 year old guy. Um, cause that dude looked way older than everybody else that was in this movie. I, yeah. That's an issue. <laughs> Even by eighties horror movie standards. <laughs> so maybe he's like Tom Atkins light in this maybe that's the uh the theme to tie it into halloween three is he just fucks girls and then asks them if they're old enough afterwards oh, no he definitely and he also pulls this shit where he's like she's like he's like can we bang now like a minute and a half after she gets there and she's like uh maybe later and he's like you know i gave up banging this other chick so i could be here <laughs> so i think we should get to this and then he starts pressuring her. He's like, what about like one hour of banging in the morning and two hours at night? And then we, the rest of the day, we can hang out with your friends if you want. <laughs> and she never sleeps with him. And you know why? He doesn't have the mustache. Exactly. That's the problem. That's the problem. Um, so, of course, they're hanging out. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we're seeing Jason sort of sneak around Crystal Lake, steal clothes off clotheslines and murder gross people that apparently own like a little general store. So for the fact that, uh, this is the, the iconic Jason gets the hockey mask. This is also, uh, the worst Jason in a lot of ways. Cause he's like weird casual Jason where his clothes are too (laughs) clean. 
You, you know what I mean? <laughs> he, he just stole new clothes after yeah, this that's, that's what last I'm saying. got mixed up. What but I like just, is that he steals a shirt that weird. doesn't fit. The, yeah. the shirt doesn't is nowhere near long enough for that actor, <laughs> and they're like, I, I guess it adds to the realism in a way, but it really stands out when his sleeves can't like come all the way down to his wrists. Right. I think and, it's hilarious. And this is quite possibly the thickest neck, Jason. For some reason, yeah. big ass no neck, Jason. Yeah. Besides, oh. maybe melted. Uh, Jason goes to hell, Jason. Yeah, he, right. He needs that thick neck so that when he gets hung, it doesn't kill him. It's right. actually all part of the plot when you think about it. There you go. Uh, at some point, Shelly angers a uh, local biker gang. So they're kind of skulking around the cabin as well. Fucking um, Shelly. <laughs> the insertion uh, of the bikers is the best part of this whole movie. It's just, you just <laughs> They go to the store and they get chased back by bikers. And it ends up playing such an important part in the plot. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, per huge, uh, Jason starts taking out all the, uh, all the people around the cabin, eventually killing Shelly and stealing his hockey mask and becoming the Jason we all know and love. Uh, and that leads to the ultimate showdown between him and the final girl, Chris, as we've been talking about. And yeah, she tries to like hang him and hits him in the head with an ax and she- should have been Jenny. Yeah, should have should have brought her back. Well, I don't know. I don't think it'd be difficult to write a script where that character just goes, "All right, it's been a week. I'll go back up to the lake with another group of friends." <laughs> <laughs> she kind of went through a lot last time. She's like, "I'm never going. I'm never leaving the city ever again." Yeah, I don't. I don't think she's a camp counselor anymore. That's just my guess. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, so how did we feel about Friday Thirteen Three? I'm, I'm assuming we're we're somewhat positive on this one. This is one of the better Fridays, in my opinion. But really, so, so here here's my take on that: is like the Friday Thirteenth movies fall into different categories. Sure. What's particularly interesting about three is that like one, two, and four all fall into that category of being a little more serious. Sure. Right. And then three falls into the category. You could put it with six, for example, that is just like just over the top. We're just having fun here. And it works really well on that level. But it's sort of strange that it's sandwiched between two and four, which are Mm -hmm. these like kind of serious, dark movies that, yes, like are about a guy killing people at a camp. And I wonder if a lot of that deals with the fact that it was shot in 3D. Yeah. So you kind of have you kind of have to have some of these gimmicky things like, you know, using a yo-yo at the camera and juggling at the camera yeah well and the the worst thing is that uh the the old school 3d was actually like really expensive to film and so they would just sacrifice everything to do 3d which who gives a fuck like so awesome. There are 3D effects and you have shitty, shitty special effects compared to the previous two movies. Sure. Yeah, it's hard for me to judge that because I've never seen the movie in 3D and I'm wondering some of the effects do, I agree, look bad, but I'm wondering if they look better in 3D. Well, I can talk to that because I actually watched it in the old school red and blue 3D. Yeah. 
And the 3D was actually a lot better than I thought it would be. Okay. Like the uh, foreground and background, like, depth and stuff actually worked really well, which shocked me. But um, And maybe since you're watching it through <laughs> red and blue tinted vision, maybe the uh, the effects didn't come off as, uh, as terrible as maybe they would. Okay. Out. Cause there are certain moments like the, um, the first kill he makes in his hockey mask, which is the shot mm. with the, um, spear gun thing. Right. Yeah. That like, you can kind of see the wire and shit on oh, the spear. Yeah. And it's like, that's not really acceptable. Even like, you know, when you, again, thinking about the first two movies where the effects were done much better and it's like, okay, but I, again, I don't know. Does that show up in the 3d? Yeah, I mean, you can still see it. Yeah, and like that, the the eye that, pop scene, you can see the yeah. stick pushing the eye forward. There's, there's yeah, a bunch yeah. of that. Yeah. Do you guys feel they overused the sticking an eyeball towards the camera by doing it twice in the same movie? <laughs> I don't think you can overdo it. Uh, I I have no problem with it because again, like we're just having fun here, right? Mm. Did you guys feel like um, Jason in this movie? was not having as much fun and that this was this day of killing felt more like he was doing it for work purposes like he just <laughs> like killing is his job and he's like he just got back and he's like fuck they put all this on my desk now because <laughs> when he shoots that girl with the spear gun he turns around and he just tosses that thing aside like i'm with this i guess like it's and then just saunters away to, like doesn't like, <laughs> he, he doesn't he doesn't run he doesn't try to hide he's just no whatever he was, these were not passion killings for him, I didn't feel. No. You know, this was... I got to get through this because I want to be able to uh, kill Corey Feldman next time. So. Ah, Corey. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> this Jason did not seem invested in in murdering teenagers in this episode. This, the, this... the other thing is, so, like, the biker gang shows up and he's going to... Now he has to take them out, right? Yeah. I, think the name that, I think the name of that biker gang is Body Count. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> because they just show up and get killed, right? But he, like, he's he like, who the guy. fuck are these guys now? God damn it. That one guy jumps out at the end, though, and saves the, the final girl f- during one of her fight scenes. And it's like, he didn't even finish him off? Like, normally you're posing the bodies, hanging them up places. This guy, <laughs> you just, like, you knocked him down and you just assumed he was dead and walked away. <laughs> your heart's not in this one, Jason. I don't want to sound judgmental because, like, I'm sure he's better at killing than I ever would be, but it's it's kind of funny. <laughs> Sad Jason just lamenting, like, having to kill teenagers for the day. It's like, I went to college. Why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> I went to college. That's what you think he's thinking. <laughs> I've always thought with the with the Friday the Thirteenth movies, I think there's some kind of weird magical Da Vinci code that if everyone in the world wrote down their favorite Friday the Thirteenths in order, uh-huh. that that it would unlock some kind of secret to the universe. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I've tried to do it multiple times, and I'm always like, ah, I'm not satisfied with this list. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't do it because I, there's such a variety of films that it's just like I can't. You know, like I love Part Four, but I also love Jason X. But I can't sit there and tell you like the mood I'm in that morning is going to decide which one of those I like more that day. Right. Right? 
I was gonna say, you see, mine it like zigzags all over the place because it's like maybe like four, one, seven, fucking <laughs> pop back to two, six, <laughs> three. Yeah, see, my friend that I'm educating has told me. He's like, I don't, I've not seen all the Friday movies. I think I saw parts one and two. And then I think I saw Jason Goes to Hell and Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah, that's kind of but I'm like, I'm like, you've missed all the good ones. Like, what are you doing? Hey, Jason Takes Manhattan's one of the good ones. Oh, it was okay. fucking, it's, that one's fucking no. terrible. No. Well, we're not Just, here to talk about that one. Delightful. Let's talk about part let's three. Talk, let's talk he about part three. guy's head off. And he, and he scares a bunch of weird, dirty New York We're talking about people. part three. There's no dirty New York punk people. There's dirty <laughs> yeah. country punk people. Or in a biker dirty gang. bikers. That's a, I guess like if in a small town, I guess three people is a gang, right? I, I don't know. Sure. It's like there's only 12 people in the town. So if three of them band together, they could become the crime lords. <laughs> Steal people's wallets and break their windows with chains and all sorts of crazy shit. Steal the gas out of their van so they can't get away at the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, so one of the things I noticed, or I, mean, I noticed it before, but um, so they they, they obviously ordered uh, the Tommy Chong character off Wish. We got the generic yes. version. Yes, right. they did. And that uh, led me to remembering that I read somewhere at one point, someone posed like at Paramount, like for real, like, should we consider doing this? A Cheech and Chong meet Jason movie? Holy as, shit, that would be awesome. It's sort of like a, uh, sort of like a modern version of the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein yeah. type stuff. Yeah. And then it just never happened. So I posed this on Facebook and people were so, like, I'm just like, what's like the modern version of this and people were so like clamoring to answer the question that Doug is the only one who <laughs> responded to it on the Facebook we have done um, listeners yeah. uh, so like I'm wondering like what's the modern version of that like I threw out maybe Jay and Silent Bob but I mean like they're not really modern anymore Harold and Kumar have a nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I would watch that. <laughs> I would watch that in a heartbeat. Jane, I mean, the thing with Jay and Silent Bob is it's at some point he's going to cross them over into the Tusk universe and we're actually going to get that. It just, yeah. just, just, just Kevin Smith just needs something else to bomb so that he goes back to them. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's, it's going to happen. And, uh, yeah. And then I thought thoughts. maybe like the Seth Rogen cast of, well, that was this is the end, right? Yeah, but I thought maybe like them versus like an actual movie slasher. I can't. Shouldn't it just be fucking Tucker and Dale? God damn it! Just you yes. just start taking That's... the Tucker and Dale characters and just make a random sequel to every horror movie franchise, but the main characters are Tucker and Dale. <laughs> Tucker and Dale versus Chucky. Tucker and Dale versus Freddy. Tucker and Dale versus fucking Jason. I want them all. Fucking Tucker and Dale in space versus an alien somehow. I don't know how they they fall into a cryogenic vat and get frozen out in space. I don't give a shit. I need it. I need it all in my life. 
Um, so while I was posing this question, I did come up with something that I want, though. All right. I want a shot-for-shot remake of Friday 13th Part 3. Okay. But with, like, the Seth Seth Rogen, like, crew of people. See, yeah, I think you could take that crew of people and send them to summer camp. Or certainly, like, you could have a few years ago. They're a little old for summer camp now. Yeah. Maybe not in 80s movie standards, but... Um, but I'm saying, like, shot for shot, like, the Psycho remake of this movie. With them in it. So Seth Rogen is Shelley, obviously. I was thinking Jonah Hill, but sure. Okay. I was thinking Seth You're Rogen, right. more, the, uh, more the Tommy Chong guy. And then okay. James Franco is Rick for whatever reason, but he's not as built as Rick. Maybe Channing Tatum. No, Channing what's... Tatum. God damn it. Have a cameo. To be fair, James Franco is the one accused of hitting on underage girls, so he should probably be Rick. No, that's true. That's true. What's the... I can't even remember his name. What's the guy's name that's the main character in uh, This is the End? Oh, Jay Burchell? Jay Burchell. He would be Shelly, because that dude grates on your fucking nerves. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He's, he's a perfectly fine actor. He, he just tends to always play that character that you're like oh, sh- sure. just shut the fuck up you know which, what I mean? which of, it's i don't know how we're in this discussion but let's run with it which of the uh, seth rogan crew as you're calling them is best at walking on their hands i don't know maybe that would have to be franco because he's the only one method enough that he'd go to fucking clown college <laughs> to walk around on his hands for 100 one fucking hundred percent <laughs> Really really get problem is he might oh. just be in a circus now and he doesn't come back yeah. for the movie, but you gotta take your chances. <laughs> you get uh, Jason Siegel to come play Rick, I guess. I don't I don't know why, but the Doomsayer, I just want it to be uh Michael Sarah for no fucking reason. Yes, yeah. I'm on board for that. I got an eyeball, guys. Ha, ha. Is it? <laughs> what are you what are you guys doing? Ha, and, th- ha. and then I'm thinking You're all doomed. I'm thinking Danny McBride has to play Jason logical <laughs> why are we doing this why, why i don't know do our conversation about friday 13th part three because I'm, I'm not even saying like it's it would be good i'm just saying it's what i want like i just want that for me right uh, um that, that that came out of the uh what's the what's the crossover comedy crossover it's like the modern version of that. That's how we got to this uh, point. That's how we got there. Uh, I don't even know how we got to every, that question. See, and, and all that makes me think I was Tucker and Dale again, and I'm so mad. Why do we <laughs> not have 20 Tucker and Dale movies? What in the fuck? Unfortunately, I, it doesn't seem like the first one did very well. I just know. I think but, it's fantastic. I was going to say, but everyone fucking loves it. Every, every person. Yeah. <laughs> I have yet to meet a person who is like, oh, Tucker and Dale sucks. No, no. Everybody who's seen it likes it. The problem is the percentage of people who have seen it. I think you're, you've got some confirmation yeah. bias by asking the type of people you speak to whether they've seen it. Well, but it was like a fucking film festival straight to fucking DVD type of movie. Mm-hmm. Those get sequels all the fucking time. That would, but that would. So technically, like the thing is, the beloved ones don't. Right? Why is there no sequel to Rise of Leslie Byrne? You know. Or no Jack Brooks Monster Slayer too. There's the ones that people like don't get sequels. The no. shitty ones get shitty sequels. That's how it works. Hollywood makes no fucking sense. I forgot about Jack Brooks. I want to watch that now. 
That movie's so fucking good. Yeah. That scene where he walks in and he's talking about his toaster. I could watch that scene over and over and over again, and it's just brilliantly written and brilliantly performed. And all it is is a stupid guy talking about how he broke his toaster and has to go to Walmart to buy a new one. <laughs> and I could just I could watch it on loop for the rest of my life, and I'd be happy. I was gonna say I think I would also be happy with uh, the character that uh, John C. McGinley plays in uh, Stand Against Evil, just being injected into every horror movie. Sure. Yeah. I feel like there just there just isn't enough uh, McGinley to begin with. He just needs to be in a lot more shit all the time. Agreed. So did you guys like Friday the 13th Part 3? Well, I like John C. McGinley, I'll tell you that much. Why isn't he in this fucking movie? (laughs) They should have killed they should have killed Shelly sooner so that they could fit in some McGinley time. <laughs> Why well, you gotta kill Shelly sooner? Sorry, we're only allowed one curly haired character on the screen at any given time, so we're gonna have to kill this one off to get make room for the other. Oh man, I mean, I'm just saying, I know it's a trope. I know it's a trope in horror movies to have that random character that's just like obnoxious, but god damn it. Between him and Frankie, I just can't. The thing with, with Shelly, and I. The reason I'm not pushing back too hard on your hatred for him is because they keep telling him, like, nobody else is enjoying this. It's not making us like you more. It's making us like you less. Please stop doing it. And then he just does it again. And it's like, fuck off, man. (laughs) At some point. (laughs) It's like, they brought this stereotypical Latina chick here for you. You know? It's not just so we can have racism in our movie. It's also so that you can have a date for the lake. And... (laughs) We have, you're screwing it all up. <laughs> the first thing they do is like, let's go down to the lake and take her clothes off and rub her naked bodies together. And he's like, man, I'm going to sit in the van. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, Shelly, just go. Like, <laughs> she'll probably fuck you anyway. You never know. It's Friday the 13th movie. There's a good chance. Yes. <laughs> There's not an unreasonable chance. You will get laid or die trying. Like, very literally. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Did you guys, um, did you guys pick up on the fact that the Latina character is, first of all, has a screaming match with her mom? That one's obvious, but Mm -hmm. I never noticed until this rewatch that she has no money and can only use food stamps to buy things. I never picked up on that before. (laughs) Like, oh... Oh, poor Friday the 13th. Why are you being so racist? <laughs> it's like, ah, that. You didn't need to lie about food stamps. Yeah. I, I didn't even pick up on it, so. Because she, like, reaches into her pocket to pay for the stuff at the store, and the cashier is like, we don't take any food stamps. And that's when she turns to Shelly and is like, uh, you're going to have to pay for this. So obviously in that pocket is food stamps, right? <laughs> Which is like the cashier is racist for assuming that the Latina chick would only have food stamps. But the movie's racist for making the only Latina character be the one that has food stamps. <laughs> it's so bad. And that's how it end that's how they end up mixed up with the biker gang too. So it's almost like they're still doing that typical thing where it's like also, by the way, poor people are inherently uh worse than everyone else because look what she caused by not having money (laughs) 
But we got to find out that uh, Shelly had a rubber in his wallet. That's true. Not Just acting like prepared. a guy who thought he was going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest part of that, that whole incident at the store to me is like after he smashes the window and shows this time he's gone too far and he turns around and he drives back at them and the they don't, couldn't afford a stunt guy so they have to have the actor jumping out of the way which means he does a very poor job of getting out of the way and so he just kind of runs over the tire of his bike and he's like I did it it's like what what'd you do why don't you just ram- <laughs> if you're gonna do that ram the bikes at least or something that might damage them this time they went too far he is very much the droopy of the of the franchise. <laughs> Poor Shelly. Um, I had a point. I completely forgot what it was. It doesn't matter. The one time when Shelly hides in the closet and pretends to have an axe in the head, he's like in the closet of somebody else's bed with no way of knowing when somebody's going to open that closet door. He could have been in there all fucking day for all he knows. <laughs> Weird, weirdly <laughs> enough in this movie, one of the best kill effects, not actually dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's accurate. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Do we have Do we have anything else? I I really like this movie. It's just it's super fun. It's cheesy, sure, but mm. it's just a I bunch agree. of kids go to the lake to get killed. It's it, it's also I get a little angry every time I watch it because it reminds me about all the normies who think that the slit in Jason's mask is from Tommy Jarvis hitting him with the uh, machete at the end of the next movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone yep. thinks that that's where, how it got there and it obviously it didn't. It came from the axe in this movie. Yeah. And it really, it eats, it's one of those things that like one of the reasons I can't get along with other people in society is because I know deep down that a lot of the people out there think that's where that hole in his mask came from and I can't live with it. I just can't like <laughs> if it comes up in conversation I get really worked up. So No, I agree. Because <laughs> uh, I actually have a mask on my wall signed by multiple Jasons and it's it's, awesome. it's the third one but it has the axe cut in it. So I pay attention to shit like that. It's important. Yeah. Is it because it's there until like the end of part six or into part seven even yeah part seven it has it that's where it's broken and then, in part seven and then he gets his new yeah. mask in eight yep because in eight we're at the point where he literally steals a jason mask <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> see in eight when that guy has the hockey mask and he pretends to jump so to scare somebody makes total sense because this jason mythos is now out there for everyone to be scared of yeah, because drives a boat in that movie. So, because the interesting thing is, the uh, uh, the series, the first one kind of is on its own, and then what? Part two takes place a year after the first one, roughly. Yeah, and then this takes place like the the same. I mean, it opens like, on like the same night as part two. Yes. So then, okay, then this one ends. And then part four pretty much takes place like immediately after because they're driving by and Jason's still laying in the barnyard. Yeah, like, I, I think my interpretation of four is that there's an implied time jump. So the opening scenes of part four take place directly after this one. Yeah. And then he, he wakes up in the hospital because he wasn't dead after all. It's all a misunderstanding. Yeah. So kills a couple of people there and leaves. And then I think there's 
an implied time jump because it takes him some time to get back to the lake. Okay. By the time he gets back to the lake, like everyone else is just acting like nothing happened. So I assume there's, I don't know how long it's supposed to be, but there must be some period of time where all the police finish up their investigation, clean yeah. everything up. But even if it's like a, even if it's like a month later, it's not yeah. like that far long. No. So, the, so like three of these movies take place, we'll say over a month's time at, at most. Sure. And then like, for some reason, part five takes place like many years after. Yeah. I think, what do you, what would you estimate that five, five to seven years later? Yeah, sure. Somebody like is be. like. There's books about this shit. I'm sure there's a real answer, but probably. I'm guessing Tommy's supposed to be 17 in that movie, and he's nine in four. Is that yeah. All right? Yeah. Possibly so most of a decade. So then, so the point I'm getting to is this time frame is like all over the place as far <laughs> as the franchise goes. Oh yeah. Because. Okay, then part six, we'll say maybe is like a year or two after, depending on if you count part five and the continuity. It's, it's hard. Stuff. To, it's hard to guess how you do it though, because in part five they clearly state that Jason was cremated. So how long does it take a cremated body to reform back into a fully formed body, and then, <laughs> and then get buried? Because obviously you wouldn't have buried it like that if it was cremated. So yeah. Yeah, but then like there's theories that that was just they just said that because they didn't want people visiting his grave, even though it's clearly marked. I love I love horror fans because we'll just justify anything if we like yeah. something. Right. Um, so then he shows up part six, and then at the end of six, he ends up at the bottom of Crystal Lake, t- attached right. to the rock. And then I can't remember part seven. Is it insinuated that that little girl is on the lake and she has you know the carry powers that jason's in the lake at that point it's not clear because then she grows up so that's like another 15 year jump well like it's not clear when the opening scenes to it or when the like we know that jason's in the lake when she comes back as a teenager in seven yeah we don't know we don't know if he was in the lake when she was a child or not. Yeah. Or whether, when she, like when that little girl murders her dad in the fun's opening scenes of that movie, we yeah. don't know whether Jason was already down there and whether now there's two guys down there. Yeah. That's where like the confusing part. Two guys down there. Yeah. Cause then uh, this, all right, this gets back around to the point we were making that in part eight, this dude has a hockey mask. <laughs> so is it like, remember 40 years ago when that, guy killed all those counselors even though they made this movie like eight years after the first movie like that's the that's the weird time jump that it's just like it's not it's not really clear but i you have to remember there has to be a large time jump before eight because in four right they're jogging circles around the lake but Mm -hmm. in eight it has a direct passageway out to the ocean so there must be something <laughs> that goes on where they have time to dig this canal. <laughs> well, there is a major tectonic shift. <laughs> uh, My favorite thing about eight is the implication that like, so Jason kills those kids and then we see him drift up in the other boat up to the like quote unquote cruise ship, which the implication is that there are cut scenes somewhere of Jason just cruising down that lake, steering that boat, like driving it, <laughs> reading like their map thing about when their class trip leaves and going, Oh shit, I should catch up to that. Go kill some teenagers on that boat. 
Well, then even better after everybody abandons the 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 big boat, Jason's left on it by himself. So I was just like, well, I think New York's this way. He just, I love the idea that he just steps off that boat because we see doesn't he walk out of the water? Yeah. So like he theoretically he just stepped off that boat and just walked along the bottom of the lake until he got <laughs> or ocean until he got to New York. Oh, do you think he recreated the uh, zombie versus shark segment from? It's plausible. Some zombie. It's, oh, definitely, it's definitely like in uh, in uh, Land of the Dead when all the zombies figure out they can they can't drown, so they can just walk across the lake to get to people. <laughs> it's like the same concept. Uh, and this brings us back to uh, Tommy Tommy Lee Wallace saying, "I don't know. It's it's magic." What about the fact that at the end of eight, he's dissolved in the lake by? fucking the nuclear the nuclear waste that they run through new york subways every evening at seven or whatever <laughs> like sure and uh not subways sorry sewer system but <laughs> and then in nine he's just back it's just how it is and now he can <sighs> jump from body to body like he's in the fucking hidden fucking movies man <laughs> and ten they're like oh the hell with it <laughs> Just, just do a huge jump in the future so we never don't have to explain what happened in the middle. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, alright. Did, uh, did anybody watch anything since last week? Uh, I only watched one thing, and I'm having a hard time remembering what the fuck the name of it is. <laughs> it was a, Well, it was a two-hour documentary. It's all over Netflix that's about this tomb they found in Egypt that was untouched, and they got to uncover a bunch of interesting artifacts and shit. Oh, did they uncover it like January 1st, 2020? Yeah, something like that. That would explain everything? That's what Char was joking about. She was like, they unleashed some kind of curse. Uh, But I don't know. It's it's interesting because it's an archaeology documentary that's not done in the style of uh, History Channel bullshit. So... It's mostly people digging and talking about, you know, this is what this is. This is what this means. And see all this great painting on the wall? These these are hieroglyphics. Here's a translation. You know, you're like, oh, this is actually delightful and educational. And not once do they, like, does that voice break in? He's like, oh, hieroglyphs underground. Could it be the Masons? You know, <laughs> like, fuck. Because educational stuff now uh, sucks. Uh, But the coolest thing that they uncover is they find, like, a mass cat mummy graveyard. Oh. Oh, it's wild. Because I I knew they buried cats with people every once in a while. Mm -hmm. But apparently they would also just, like, occasionally do it on a large scale and throw them all in, like, one pit in the graveyard is essentially like a mass tribute thing. Mm. And, and they pull out one cat that is 
freaky deaky big. And they're trying to figure it out because they're like, it's too big. Like Maine Coon Cats aren't even this big. And they do some scans and figure it out. And it turns out it's a mummified lion cub. Oh. Which is really cool because apparently there have always been stories that they did things like that, but they've never actually found one. So in this documentary, they find the first ever mummified lion, which is, I don't know, it's pretty dope. Hmm. But yeah, I recommend it. It's educational. It's fun. <laughs> it's really long. It's like straight up two hours long. So it's a, it's a long watch. Hmm. Uh, that's it. That's it. What'd you watch, Doug? Uh, certainly nothing that educational. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, no risk of that here. Uh, let's see. The first thing I watched, uh, I watched Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Three from 1990. Yeah. Nice. You guys seen that one recently? Uh, I saw it five or six years ago, maybe yeah. for for the very first time. I just never got around to watching it before. Yeah. So for people who haven't seen it, it's a it's what the 90s were doing. It's technically a sequel, but it's sort of just a remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All 90s up, where now Ken Forey is a survivalist that gets thrown into the mix. So yeah, they have somebody there to fight Leatherface. Um, I think it's okay. Like, it's not a... It's certainly not like a, a great movie the way the first one is. It's nothing particularly original the way the second one is. Um mm. But it's fine. I kind of like it. I remember the first time I saw it was like one of these times where I was renting it off of a D, uh, VHS shelf and just, you know, on a weeknight with nothing else to do. And I remember enjoying it then. And I kind of felt like, yeah, I understand why I enjoyed it back then. It's just, it's, the special effects are okay. There's a couple of weird, creepy scenes. Vigo Mortensen is one of the family members that helps guide people to Leatherface, so he's fun. The Vigo. Um, yeah, I, so it's not a great movie, but it's kind of fun. It has one of the dumbest jokes in horror movie history in it, where somebody has gifted Leatherface like a speaking spell, and it shows you pictures of things, and you have to try to spell the word. And every time it shows him a picture of a person, he types in the word food and doesn't understand why it doesn't work. <laughs> just flat out dumb and dumb but delightful yeah, it's mildly entertaining is what it is so as you know there's a lot of good stuff like where they hang a guy upside down and then they have like a system where they can crack his skull open and get a good kill and there's like a little girl in the in the mix of the family now because nothing's consistent in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series <laughs> so now there's a little girl and a mom, and the little girl is, uh, it's her turn to do the kill, so she's all excited when she gets her chance to smash a guy with a sledgehammer. Yeah, <laughs> fun stuff like that. My my favorite part of watching it is always that I turn it on, and I'm like, oh yeah, Vigo Mortensen existed before Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I didn't know either. <laughs> so I, I certainly didn't know who he was the first time I saw this movie, which would be before Lord of the Rings, and now this is the second time I've seen this movie and I totally forgot he was in it. So. I believe uh, Kean Hodder also did some stunts on this movie. Yes, he's very fond of pointing out that a lot of the Leatherface stuff is him because obviously yeah. a lot of it is stunt work. So. so he's then got Jason, he's got Leatherface, and he played 
Freddy's arm at the end of uh, Jason Goes to Hell. So when they were doing the uh, yeah. when they were doing the Halloween remake, he was trying to get himself cast as Michael Myers so he could be all of them. But yeah. he did not. That didn't work out. They, they went a slight height with that. <laughs> got uh, he's got he's got three of the big ones at least. That's pretty cool. So I don't know. I had fun with this movie. I think it's one of those ones that people either completely forget about or don't like. But yeah, I don't remember liking it when I saw it, but I cannot tell you why I didn't. So <laughs> it's like it's a super weird movie to watch. Like when you watch movies the way I watch movies, where I think too much about them, it's like the family is got a completely different makeup than it did in previous films. Like there's a mom in a wheelchair now who uses like one of those voice boxes that you get from smoking too much. And there's a little girl there who's, you know, friends with Leatherface and Leatherface is supposed to be like her uncle. And she's just like cuddles with him and shit. And all this is going on, but they put a brace on Leatherface's leg to reflect that he still has the injury from the end of the first film. And I'm like, I like that. I like that little touch, even though I don't know why that's the only bit of continuity that exists. Yeah, I always, I always thought the weird thing about it, is, the way I remember it is, you know, the the original movie, the the setting of the town is kind of this desolate, sun-bleached, like, dying rural area. And for some reason in Leatherface, it's like a cabin in perpetual night for some reason like well i i don't know if they say this in the movie but i always i took it as this is where they set up after they fleed the other place right right that's how i said so it's a it's a completely different location but they still have like they still they get to a whole new location but then they have you know a family member who gets a job at a gas station and they can figure out how to direct people down this weird side out Unfortunately for them, Ken Forey happens to also use that side road, so they don't stand a chance, right? Mm. But, you know, it is what it is, and I enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. I need to rewatch it at some point. I just, I don't know. I found uh, it's... No, don't look at the Vigo. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to oversell it. Just because I enjoyed watching it doesn't necessarily mean I think it's a great movie or anything. So. Yeah. But I just can't remember like what I initially didn't like about it, so it would be worth a rewatch at some point. Yeah. If nothing else, it's Ken Forey. So Yeah. Uh next thing I watched watched Candyman three, Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. I did when I was trying to get through the, all three of them, I didn't get to that one. Well, After the yeah. second one I kinda stopped. <laughs> Yeah, and that that might be the right move. Um, so, <laughs> Candyman Three came out in 1999, when the sort of direct-to-video market was in the process of its downfall. I would say it was at that point where people, famous people, they were putting enough money into direct-to-video sequels that they could get famous people, but they were still making them without any real effort at making a good movie if that makes any sense. So yeah. in this case, they're like, we need someone famous to play the lead. And so they got uh, Donna Derrico from Baywatch. And so, well, I don't... That's not who should be the lead in a horror movie. 
Like, that doesn't really make sense when you think about it because she's not a good actress. She's kind of only good at running down the beach in a red bathing suit. And that's not really her job in this movie. So, And it's super weird. Like, they write in that she ends up being the great-granddaughter of the original, like, the guy that became Candyman. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to, like, restore his legacy by having his art shown. And I'm like, it's been a long time since I watched any Candyman stuff, but I'm like, did that? Was was he an artist who had white yeah. descendants yeah. in the previous movies? Okay, I can run with that. Yeah, yeah and there was and there was a pretty thick connection to this uh, idea of like urban art and graffiti and stuff, kind of tied into it. Yeah, and, yeah. and that and that all plays in here once he's awakened or whatever and he's out doing his killings and for some reason he kind of implies that he's trying to get this great granddaughter to like join him but I don't I think join him means he kills her so I'm not really sure what's going on there it's yeah, I don't know it's a very very mediocre movie every now and again Tony Todd shows up and he makes me happy to see Tony Todd and he's like doing that thing that he does when he's Candyman where he just speaks in his natural voice but it's inherently scary and intimidating and he's got that hook hand which looks a little ridiculous because it's obvious just one arm is longer than the other I don't know why they haven't found technology to make that work better yet oh. yeah I'd, I'd probably unless you're a completist or something I wouldn't say that Candyman 3 is a must see yeah. There was a, a, a few good gore scenes, I'll give it that much, which is like, again, it's a direct video movie. Like, they're hoping that you're going to rent this based on box art and a recognizable name, and then you'll enjoy the gore scenes and tell your friends they should watch the gore scenes, right? I was, I was going to say, I didn't even think Candyman 2 is a must see. Yeah. Uh, it's been it's been over a year since I was since I was doing this, and uh, I don't I don't remember thinking. Yeah, I don't remember thinking the second one was was really all that. Like it's it's a pretty far drop from the first one to the second one, and it sounds well, like from the second one to the third one, it's even worse. Well, I think I think the biggest problem is so the first Candyman is kind of a lightning in the bottle situation that they did i agree it because it's this and i don't know the the that unique combination of like folklore horror combined with this idea of like urban decay and in the fact that like cabrini green and stuff still exists you know what i mean like it doesn't mm. we've literally scoured that stuff from the earth to to avoid admitting that it was a thing that was going on. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't I think it's a, the, the first Candyman movie is I, such a, uh, zeitgeist work of art type thing that like, it should be required watching for film students. Yeah. I don't know. Cause it's, it's brilliant. Like every moment of it and you can watch it a hundred times and get a little bit more from it every time you watch it. Yeah, and that's why I'm curious to see this remake, reboot, whatever it's going to end up being. Because it looks like in the trailer, it looks like they're talking about sort of the gentrification of that area and sort of what that means and tying that into Candyman and 
everything else. Like, I feel like there's an interesting story that can come out of that whole situation. Right. right. And I think thematically so, it's appropriate. Yeah. And of course, Jordan Peele's producing, right. which I mean, what is it? Nia Acosta is wrote it and directed it. And she definitely deserves credit, but I feel like Jordan Peele with his track record of sort of the stories he's telling kind of helping her navigate sort of where they're going with this movie, I think gives me a little bit of hope and thinks that might be an interesting story worth doing the using Candyman to kind of navigate it. Right. Like I said, I, I, I think their, their idea sounds much better than, than what they did with the rest of them. Cause I mean the yeah. Candyman to farewell of the flesh. That's what it's called. Right. Am I crazy? I think that uh, I thought four was farewell to the flesh, but I could be completely wrong. I mean, that could you you could be. Uh, right. I don't think it? there is a four, is there? Isn't there? I think there's just the three. Is there just three? I don't know. Yeah, but but, but the problem is that that sequel it focused way more on the idea of you know there's a monster that if you talk into the mirror the monster is going to get you, and mm-hmm. that's that's. Like yes, that there's that is a thing, but that's that's not what Candyman is. That's not that horror movie. You know what I mean? That's it doesn't that misses the entire evolution of of what it represents and all that kind of stuff. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Second one is Farewell to the Flesh, and then the third one, Day of the Dead, like he said, like yeah. Doug said, and then the upcoming. Remake reboot. So, okay. yeah, it's like it's like trying to make a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and and somebody being like, "Okay, burned up pervert, go!" And you're like, "Wait, what?" There's <laughs> <laughs> more to it. <laughs> no, but that's that's what happened in the '80s and the '90s. These sequels would come out. You know, the, the classic examples are the Rockies and the Rambo's, where the first one is like a drama film, and then they're just like. Yeah, not anymore. We're not doing that anymore. We're doing this crazy shit now. And it's like, you're taking the character and just putting them in weird situations. And I feel like that's what happens with, you know, especially in horror, it happens with almost all the characters. They just take them and they just go, yeah, we, we know you were making this film that had like a real purpose to it and everything, but we're just going to use your monster and put him in a different location each time. So I think two is probably, is that the one that's set in New Orleans? And then... Yeah. 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 Three is set in like LA where there's like a large Hispanic population and they're talking about like there's these Mexican traditions going on with Day of the Dead and stuff. And you're like, okay, like you're just moving him around from location to location at this point. You're not actually trying to tell a new story, which is again, not always a bad thing. I just talked about how I kind of of enjoyed Texas Chainsaw 3 where it's like, yeah, they just moved to a new location and told the same story again. And it's like, yeah, I had fun with that one. So if it's done mm-hmm. well, it's fine. But yeah, but I feel like with Candyman, especially, it's more about sort of like what we talked with Hellraiser. It's more about the mythology of where that character comes from and sort of the folklore of it. And right. uh, when you move them from Chicago to New Orleans to LA, it doesn't really doesn't really work. Right. In the big, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. So like Candyman was was black horror without being black exploitation horror 
at any point. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that make sense? I don't, yeah. there's, there's something about it. You know, it's this, mm. it's, it's this, I don't know, oppressive, painful movie that like, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. It's, it's very much a movie about racism and oppression and everything that is being told through looking at the modern problems with that this character. Right. Whereas the second ones just seem like, well, we got a monster, like you said, just have them come out of the mirror and start killing people. Right. And you can understand that instinct from producers to just be like, well, we have a monster that people like, and we just want to make more sequels. And, you know, that story's been told. Um, But, and again, I think if they, if the sequels were just better, I think everybody would forgive it a lot quicker. Yeah, for sure. And that that can be said true of like all of the horror franchises that we've been discussing today is like Friday the 13th. We just, we said flat out, like the first two are these like more dark, serious movies. And then the third one's just kind of wacky fun because it was so much fun. No one cares. And then they just go back to making the more serious ones. You know, people are less, less forgiving of them if they're not as good. That's what it comes down to. Well, I think, I think maybe the whole trick to Friday the 13th is that they just push through they just kept making them and they kept making them to the point that they all blend together. And now like, it's hard to distinguish them apart. Oh yeah. The, the casual viewers, they don't know. Like nobody knows which kills are from which movie. And they don't know wh- whether Jason was a zombie or whether he was alive. And they certainly don't understand that part five wasn't him. And they don't, you know what I mean? Right. 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 Like, right. The, trying to explain it to somebody who's not one of us is like pointless endeavor. <laughs> Yeah, you know the guy with the hockey mask. What's his name? Leatherface. Yeah, Freddy Krueger. That, yeah. Was that his name? Yeah. See, people say shit like that at parties, and then I got to go home. So, yeah, what's that meme of like a girl like in a spirit store? She's put she has a hockey mask on, and then she her the thing she wrote underneath of it was one two. Freddy's coming for you. Yeah, someone someone responded like three four. Get your fucking ass out the door. That bullshit. <laughs> you know there i somehow i am both things somehow i am both very anti-gatekeeper but i'm like let people enjoy it like even even if they they don't like it the way i like it they should they should be able to enjoy it then there's this other little demon in the back of my head that's like fuck them they (laughs) they know nothing of this genre be gone Here's the thing. They should be allowed to enjoy it. They should not be allowed to discuss it with me because I don't need to fucking explain <laughs> it to them. They should, they should be allowed to enjoy it. They shouldn't be allowed to enjoy it publicly. <laughs> there, you, there you go. That's but you guys, you, okay, so like we're, we're way off topic again here. But yeah, it it's episode guys, 150. It doesn't it's 150. You're, yeah, like so we should be off topic 150 times. Yeah. But do you guys remember, like, back in the day when there was, like, horror conventions and stuff? Like, this is sort of, like, before time ago. Like, before everybody was on the internet, on their phones, constantly, all day, every day. It was, like, you used to be able to just, like, hint at people. And it's, like, you know, you could say, you ever see that movie where that zombie fights the shark? And if they say no, you just end the conversation and fucking leave, because they're not one of us. <laughs> but used to, there used to be that. And now it's like, well, if you ask them that, they're just going to pull out their phone and watch that scene on YouTube, and then now they're going to have seen it. But it's like, they don't... They didn't 
go into that video store and sneak away from their parents and find that movie and convince dad to rent it for them so they could go home and watch it late at night when everybody else was asleep and see a zombie fight a shark and think it was the best thing ever. They're not one of us. They didn't have our experiences. And, you know, it's... They didn't convince our parents to let us watch Creepshow on HBO and then not be able to sleep because I was seven and my parents should not have let me watch Creepshow on HBO. They didn't watch Creepshow 2 with their little sister. And then when everybody was getting ready to leave, lock all the doors, leave her in the car and take off and leave her there by herself knowing she was scared. And then she freaked out and couldn't figure out how to get the car doors unlocked. They didn't do the things we did. (laughs) That sounds like a very personal story, Doug. That's exactly what it did to my sister the first time I saw Creepshow 2. It was super fun. And it was like Christmas time too. We were getting ready to go deliver presents after we watched the movie. My mom was so mad because <laughs> my sister was like crying, and she's like, "We're supposed to be going to see friends of the family to drop off gift baskets." <laughs> oh, nice. the I, all I remember from the before times was I do believe the greatest moment of my life. I, I'm trying to remember where I was. I was at summer camp or something like that, and somebody was reaching under a bed and they were like something stung him or something. He goes, ah, something bit me. And I, and I screamed Sinjaya and literally from across the room, somebody else went, he has the bite. And I was like, (laughs) we are best friends now. (laughs) This is, this is happening. You and me. (laughs) Uh, uh, Like 10 years ago when I had an office, I would uh, I had a dry erase board and I wrote um, on my dry erase board. I wrote "Go around mums, get Liz back, figure life out," and like underlined it. And I just left it up there like all the time. One time they were bringing some people through. who were like, "Oh, these people are volunteering for such and such." And this girl looked at it, and she's like, nice. And I'm like, okay, me and you can be friends, because nobody else ever comments on what I have on my dry erase board. See? That's... It's, again, I don't think other people shouldn't watch the movies. I just think they shouldn't talk to us about them. (laughs) (laughs) My only requirement for people who are into the the weird shit that I'm into is that they love it on a weird, uncontrollable, visceral level. That's it. <laughs> Just that. Eh? Just that. Guys, not, not too long ago, somebody tried to convince me they were talking about the Star Wars special editions. And then so I, I listened because it seemed like they knew what they were talking about. But they tried to convince me that Obi-Wan's lightsaber was changed from like they said it was green in like the original shoot or something. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. Like, it just wasn't. And then so, like, later that night, it was eaten away at me. So I ended up, like, I put the VHS tape in, and then I fast-forwarded to a scene where Obi-Wan has lightsaber out, and I took a picture of my TV, and then I switched over to the VHS of the special edition, and then I put in my DVD, and then I put in my Blu-ray, and I sent the, the all the screenshots to show that the lightsaber was the same color in all the different versions. And I just got back like, yeah, like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? What the fuck? Like, this is really important. Like, <laughs> You don't understand. Is, like, I wasn't going to be able to go to bed tonight until I explained this to you. And you're acting like you forgot about our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
you're acting like this shit doesn't matter. You are wrong. See, I think they were misinterpreting thing things. Wasn't there a story about when they originally did the films? All the lightsabers, like they did them the same color or something, and they were like, "Oh, this is confusing and terrible." Yeah, and ended up changing all the colors. I think, yeah, but like previous to the original release, I think some stuff was done where they were all like just natural, kind of light colored, not mistaken. And then that's when they it didn't look right, so that's when they went with you know blue for good guys, red for bad guys. And then you know, like when Luke needed a new lightsaber, they made it green just to be different, probably for the purposes of selling toys. And now there's a whole mythology explaining (laughs) which crystals cause which (laughs) colors and what they different things mean and. And Lucas acts like he always intended that. George fucking uh, Lucas. Uh, Lucas almost didn't give in to Sam Jackson to have a purple lightsaber, but finally gave in for just because of Sam motherfucking Jackson. Yeah. I was going to say, right. I've heard two, two different versions of that story. One where, you know, it was a debate or whatever, and the other one's just Sam Jackson goes, can I have a purple lightsaber? And George Lucas goes, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the version that Sam Jackson tells, which is just like he just basically asked for it, and they're like, yeah, whatever. So, well, yeah, I mean, I kind of heard like he's like, hey, can I have a purple lightsaber? And George was like, well, Jedi's usually don't, and then just finally was like, you know what? Who cares? Yes, purple lightsaber. We'll just let's hire some other nerd to write a book that explains where purple lightsabers come from. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so did you watch anything else, Doug? <laughs> How the hell did we get there? What was I talking about? <laughs> I, I think you know. watched a bunch of movies that uh, were also part of Candyman. Yeah. Candyman oh, okay. is what you watched. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so after that, I watched uh, The Stepfather Part 3. Oh, yeah. yeah remember, okay. remember a long time ago, I watched 1 and 2 and said I was going to get to 3 real soon. And then... Yeah, I said that too. I still haven't got to 3. Yeah. Three is an interesting one, so uh, I think you you, uh, you know this, but for the listeners, the movie opens with the character from the first two Stepfather films getting plastic surgery to look like a cheaper mm-hmm. actor. Um, yep. Terry O'Quinn didn't want to come back? Yeah. So right away, you're like, no, Terry like, I, I probably shouldn't have watched this, because let's be honest, what I liked about those previous two movies was Terry O'Quinn, mm-hmm. and now he's not there. So what what is this movie really going to have to offer? Yeah. Um, but it was in my to watch, like in that your selections or whatever they call it on Tubi, just sitting there. I needed to watch it eventually. How can I get it out of there? <laughs> so <laughs> I watched it. It's the opening isn't bad. Like the scenes of him getting the plastic surgery and stuff, it's all okay. He moves to the new town, gets a job like at a at a nursery where there's like a really intimidating looking like wood chipper thing and you're like all right perfect i know i know what that's for (laughs) all right we're in good shape right the biggest problem with this movie is so he did like he does the thing where he marries the woman and has like she has a kid and he's trying to become the stepdad and everything but then he like he does that like twice in this movie different women across town because I think the logic is that the first woman turns out she can't have kids and he wants to have another kid of his own. But they don't spend any time on that. Like, there's just, like, one scene of them, like, at a fertility doctor, so it's not really clear if that's what his motivation is. But the whole movie's set over the course of, like, six weeks. 
So he meets a woman, marries her, finds out she can't have kids, and then immediately starts hooking up with another chick. <laughs> and he's going to marry her. Right? As and you do. And it's like, but this all happens so quickly that he meets these two different single mothers, both of whom have like 10 year old boys. And then there's the, like, so the one boy plays these like computer games where he. So, for, okay, first of all, he's wheelchair bound. Second of all, he plays these computer games where he's um, trying to solve mysteries and they, they act like somehow that's going to make him solve real crimes. And he ends up going off with like his biological father for a while, and that's where he is like playing on his computer at his biological father's house, and that's why he's uh, that's when he figures out that his mom is living with a killer and comes home to save the day, which is just an annoying plot point. Um, it, okay, so spoiler alert, right? Oh no! There's there's, yeah. there's some lines early on in the film about how the doctors can't explain why the boy is in a wheelchair. Then there are scenes where the stepfather is yelling at the boy, going, come on, just get up. You could walk. We know you could do it. Do you know where this is going yet? (laughs) In the climax of the fucking film, he's about to kill the mom, and of course, the boy gets up out of the wheelchair that he's been in the whole fucking movie, and now he can walk again so he can save the day. And it's like, God damn it. I don't. Come on, man. Like, first of all, you're, it's stupid. That's okay. That's first of all. But then second of all, now you're making the villain kind of the hero because he got this kid in a wheelchair to walk again. (laughs) And you do all that right before throwing him in the fucking wood chipper, which is, you know, was the goal the whole time. We knew that's why that was there. But it's just, what are you doing? So, I don't know if I really yeah. can recommend that one in good taste. Yeah. It has, I, haven't, uh, I haven't been too excited to check it out. It has Priscilla Barnes fresh off of her uh, time in uh, Three's Company. So, if that's a selling point for anybody. <laughs> pre, uh, was it pre Mallrats? Yeah, I think this movie's from like 1990. So, yeah. anyways. Are you going to check out the remake? I don't know. <laughs> Marky Mark, though, right? Is that is he, is no. he the actual dad in that? No, I don't think he's in it. No? I think it's a guy that kind of maybe looks like Mark Wahlberg, but... I don't know. I'm more likely to watch it if it doesn't have Mark Wahlberg in it. That helps. <laughs> so, I, Dylan, I don't know. Dylan Walsh? Dylan Walsh? Yeah. That sounds like a 90210 character. <laughs> uh Cela Ward, Amber Heard's in it. She must play one of the kids. Oh yeah, it was the guy from Nip Tuck, right? Uh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, I don't know. We'll see I know. I... Yeah. See if Tubi recommends it to you and you're too lazy to change the channel. Yes, that's very well cool could happen. I think we all know that I don't I'm not really great at picking movies. That's sort of why I podcast <laughs> is so that I have a couple of things that I'm required to watch every week. <laughs> Otherwise, your entire week would just be spent trying to figure out what to watch? Yes. Yes, that's what would happen. Or I'd just end up watching the Friday the 13th series over and over and over. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, next thing I watched 
This is this is my election night watch, so I wouldn't be glued to the TV stressing out about your guys' election. <laughs> Instead, I watched a Tremors three back to perfection. Nice. Um, which is uh, it's most notable as it's it's really the Tremors movie where Michael Gross decided to take over the series. He definitely becomes the star of this movie, and it's his series from this point on. Uh, also known as the one where they introduced the concept of ass blasters, which for those of you who don't remember, uh, Tremors in part two evolved into little walking around monster things. And then in part three, they evolve once again, where they can shoot fire out of their ass and cause them to jump very far. Because that's a logical progression. Good Lord, I said I've never seen past the first one. Yeah, so it's it's pretty ridiculous. The one thing that this movie does that is super clever is they know what's they know that they're hitting the point of just lunacy. So they write in a scene where they explain that this is the final stage of the evolution, and that these things give like lay the eggs that result in the giant worms that create the cycle so that nobody else can just come along next time and just be like, and now they go to outer space. <laughs> um, as far as Tremors 3 go, it's super fun to watch. It's it's ridiculous, but it knows it's ridiculous. It brings back a bunch of the townsfolk from the original movie and has like, like the little girl that's in the original movie on the pogo stick the whole time, but she's like an adult now. <laughs> And the annoying kid that like nobody liked in the first movie, he's trying to sell off parts of the uh, the valley to make condos at this point, <laughs> which doesn't really make any sense because who the hell wants condos in the middle of a, like surrounded by uh, mountains? It looks like this tiny little town, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, it just ends up being them running around like there's the town has like embraced the graboid culture, so. It's all about, you know, they 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 think it's fun to have all this, and then all of a sudden, Graboids show back up, evolve into these things, and we got our main characters running around having to fight their way free. Pretty predictable mm-hmm. plot wise. Yeah. But you know, I I I think you're, I think if you're a fan of the first Tremors movie, you're probably gonna like the first like four Tremors movies. So. Yeah, I should check them out sometime. I don't know why I've never jumped further in. You never invested in the Tremors attack pack, eh? No, I need to. Yeah. And now they have like a six movie pack or something. Which is now obsolete because the new one just came out. Yeah, I assume there'll be a box set of all. But uh, I think they're made by different companies, if I'm not mistaken. I think there might be a rights thing. Sure. But if we if we just got a Friday Thirteenth box set with everything in it, they can pull it off with the Tremors rights as well. I'm sure. <laughs> Hopefully. So we'll see. But um, yeah, I don't know. If you want to watch Stephen Keaton shooting giant guns at CGI monsters, then Tremors Three—that's the movie for you, right there. <laughs> it's not. It's, it delivers what it promises, but you know what? That's what it promises. So, uh, anything else? Uh, the only other thing I did was I finished off Buffy season three. Nice. Which is, uh, it's so fun for people who don't remember. It ends with them literally 
like the whole the whole all the school the kids in the school have to accept that monsters are real and join the battle in this war against this demon that results in them blowing up the high school and it's ridiculous and stupid that like on the same day that they graduate high school they blow up the high school to move on to the like it's almost like they were clearing room for the next set and they're like how is blowing up this set how can we make that into the plot <laughs> but it's what's fascinating yeah. about it is like they fully call it out eh? because there's literally a moment like at the end of it after they've blown up the the thing and giles is giving this speech about how like you know, there's a certain poetic irony uh, or dramatic irony, I think is the term he uses, to the fact that the school is blown up just as you're graduating. <laughs> and he, Buffy like cuts him off and she's like, yeah, I'm at Firebad Tree Pretty. So let's not put at that. <laughs> and it's, it's like, okay, so you guys know what you're doing here. Like, you guys know it's stupid <laughs> that you did this, but that's fine. It's just... Yeah. Nice. Yeah, did you get all teary for the send off for Angel at the end? No, not particularly. Uh, um, I will say this. Um, well, because they did the whole thing with killing him last year, and then they brought him back, and then he leaves this year. It's like, well, we went through that already. But yeah. watching season three, knowing where it's going, it's it's cool to watch because it's like you can see them setting the stage for Angel leaving like multiple times throughout the season and then it finally comes down to like the the point where like Joyce actually comes up to him and basically explains to him that he should leave if he actually cares about Buffy which is she's correct about um mm. and it's like okay they they did all that and you start to wonder like when they brought him back at the beginning of the season was that done specifically to give him his own spin-off like did they know that right away or uh, I'm curious about that Again, I'm from sure what I remember, that, from, from what I remember, that was the plan. Like they knew at the end of the season, he's going to leave and then get his own show. So, yeah. So it's but it's it's pretty well done. They like you know they hint at it a couple of different times, and it's so I, I enjoyed it. They do that. They do, that show does a lot of that stuff well, where you realize like they they season three they're hinting at Willow developing witch powers which obviously is going to be really important in future seasons they introduced all the characters it shows harmony getting a bit during the final fight scene at the end of season three and you're like oh yeah i forgot she's a vampire for the rest of this run of this show <laughs> it shows up on angel i think mm-hmm. so because yeah. i forgot I, I totally forgot that they end up teaming her up with spike later which is super <laughs> fun yeah Making me jealous. I kind of want to rewatch it now. Yeah, it's it's a blast. I might take a little break here because I I want to watch that new uh, the Simon Pegg Nick Frost thing that showed up on Amazon Prime. I want to watch that. And so I'm worried if I take a break, I'll never go back to Buffy though. Yeah, I hear you. Oh. Um, well, the only thing I watch. Oh, go ahead. I should say the more realistic thing is that I'll take a break and then I'll end up restarting from the beginning. So. <laughs> Not that I won't go That's back. True. Anyways, sorry. What, what, what uh, did you watch? The only thing I watched was Hell Knight with Linda Blair, and I thought it was boring as fuck. So there's not a whole lot to uh, get into. But oh, I was. That's uh, one of the movies I was thinking about watching for next week's show. Uh oh. 
Well, I mean, you can get it. I just won't rewatch it, and we can talk about it next week. No, that's all right. Uh, um, no, no, it's typical. They're they're in college, and uh, they have to go stay in the haunted mansion that's you know nearby. And turns out, uh, it's not necessarily haunted, but somebody may still be living there, killing people. So, yeah, boring. Um. But but I guess I don't know. We could talk about the Mandalorian. Mandalorian's back. Yeah, yeah. Are we gonna re- like was, have a Mandalorian well, corner every week now for the next few weeks? As well. I guess if we're gonna do that, we should just uh, wrap up our usual shit. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Doug, have you decided what we're doing next week? Well, we're not wasting our goddamn time watching Hell Knight, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let's do Soldier and Event Horizon. And All right. By, by next week, I'll, uh, I'll remember why those two are listed together. I'm sure there's a good reason. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because isn't Soldier, doesn't that take place in the Blade Runner universe? Yes. Yeah. There must yeah. be some connection between it and Event Horizon because they're on the list together. So, yeah. Who knows? Um. All right. Well, should we talk about Mandalorian and then get off here so Noah can go to sleep? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh. So yeah, I guess spoiler warning will be a little spoilery while talking about it. So. One hundred percent spoilery. Yeah. yeah. Like if. It, Walk away. Yeah, if you, and if you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend watching it blind. I would not listen to us. So, oh. um, so yeah, uh, jump back into uh, what's his official name? He gets called like Mando at some point, but it doesn't even have like a. Uh... He has a real name, but I, I just call him Mando. Cause All right, it's so, they always have weird names. Jump back to Mando. Now his mission is to find find people who can lead him to take the child back to uh, his own kind, which I think they insinuate. Insinuate just means maybe Jedi in general, not necessarily whatever species yeah. he is. He definitely needs to find Jedi. I'm not 100% clear if he's returning the child to the Jedi or if the Jedi are going to tell him what planet the child goes to. Yeah doesn't really matter uh he ends up on tatooine of course because someone told him to search for a mandalorian that was last seen on tatooine uh because they can i don't know plot reasons they can direct him to where he needs to go yeah the mandalorian will take him to the jedi somehow yeah uh shows up in this little town and uh turns out (laughs) I was like, this this uh, this town has graboids, like it's almost like a fucking tremor esque town. Yeah, it has this giant monster that <laughs> goes through the dirt and eats uh, banthas, and it turns out the town is protected by a uh, guy in Mandalorian armor, and you definitely recognize the armor. It's definitely been on Tatooine before. Oh yeah. And then uh, he walks into the bar that they're in, and I'm like, well, I know that walk anywhere, because I watched the entire run of Justified. You got me an Olafan? <laughs> yep. So Timothy Olafan rocking the Boba Fett armor. 
That's fucking awesome. Just when you say yeah. that sentence, it makes me happy. <laughs> and uh, you I was could watching tell. With Char, whenever he took off the helmet, I was like, you clever fucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll notice when he takes the helmet off, he, he never puts it back on because you're not going to cover all that goodness up for an entire episode. Well, to be fair, the, Mandal- the, the real Mandalorian basically tells him you're not supposed to be wearing that. Yeah, I'm not really. I I could kill you right now and take that armor back, or you can give it to me, and that's how they end up yeah. working out their little deal. Um, so it turns out he he took the armor from Jawas and uh, or traded for it or whatever you want to call it, and uh, has been protecting the town because it's got a uh, what the fuck is it called a crate dragon? Yeah, it's got a crate dragon problem. So they come to a compromise. Hey, you help me kill this crate dragon, you can have this armor back. And boy, do they kill a great dragon. Sure do. Team up with some uh, sand people, feed it a yeah. explosive bantha. It was it was interesting the choice to take a crate dragon and turn it into like a tremors esque Leviathan sand serpent. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty nice. Interesting. Well, the yeah. design of it is based on the design of the bones in the desert in episode four. Right. Yeah. So it is logical that that animal exists on Tatooine. I know it doesn't apparently look like the crate dragons from the old extended universe. Now they're just borrowing the name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty fucking awesome and uh, pretty kick ass. Yeah, I should probably mention the fact that Boba Fett returns in the final scene of the show. Uh, oh yeah, we're gonna get to that. So, um, and just as we're talking, I was scrolling through and I saw this post that says that for the Mandalorian, they actually they hired an actual deaf actor to play one of the Tusken Raiders, and that actor helped yeah. create the Tusken sign language. So I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's a nice touch. Yeah. Um, so like it's a nice touch in the sense that okay like that's the right thing to do it's also a nice touch in that when they've taken they've taken this step to decide they're going to humanize the sand people a little bit yeah. and in doing so they did a good job of making them seem like a real little society so that sign language all does feel real and yeah. that's important in order to make it not feel cheesy that they're kind of humanizing these monsters from the original story yeah. Well, in the so you know, and they've talked about that in the extended universe for a long time. That Tatooine is their planet. You know what I mean? Like everyone else is the interlopers. And I've read some weird articles that I I don't know. I don't know who I agree with. They're like, you know, what they were trying to act like they were being more sensitive and all this kind of stuff, but really they're just falling into the same tropes as all Westerns and treating the natives as the savages and, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I don't, I don't think that's at all what they did. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like they sort of did that in the original trilogy and they've been trying to fix it ever since. Because even mm. in episode three, or episode two, when Anakin slaughters it's made very clear that it's not right to kill these things just because they're not human like they are sentient beings and you shouldn't just slaughter their children because they've done something because the adults have done something wrong you know what i mean like it's in that Mm. particular moment they are more like the sort of the indians in the cowboy movie if 
for lack of a better term, and it's, you know, to the extent where they're literally living in TP-shaped things. And uh, mm-hmm. it's made very clear that, like, yeah, like, they're they're not necessarily innocent, but they're also not all just vicious monsters. You, they're, they're beings, which is important, I think, to recognize that. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's an interesting way that John Favreau continues to come in and make Star Wars better by just fixing a couple small things. Yeah, it seems to make the entire universe better. Yeah, I think I think the idea of having Favreau work with uh, Dave Filoni is genius. Like that's yeah. you've got a guy that just he knows how to do Star Wars, and then you've got a guy that just knows how to do everything. And you you have them work together, so you get this stuff that feels really true to the original concepts of Star Wars, while at the same time advancing it. And it's you know they yeah. get away with things like having Boba Fett standing there at the end, and you're just like, I'm not bothered by that at all. Whereas I feel like I would have been. It doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel unearned the way that it might have in other circumstances. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like we said, you should have you should have watched this before before yeah. listening. But yeah, so he ends up they kill the Kray Dragon. He gets Bo, uh, Timothy Oliphant hands over the Boba Fett armor, driving away, and then you see yeah, uh, a figure in like a uh, I don't know cloak or whatever, but almost seems more like a monk type type silhouette. Turns around, it's the actor that yeah. plays all the clones in the in the Clone Wars, which is, would thus make it Boba Fett should look like him, so that makes it make sense. And, yeah, yeah. So, although I've I'm heard some, to see I've heard some interesting conspiracy theories that I would like to be true. Yeah, that like okay. that is that that isn't Boba Fett. Sure. That that that's just another one of the clones. Well, they could be fucking with us. That's very plausible. Yeah, and I, I was talking to somebody, and we were talking about, you know, it would be the best thing to find out that there's never been a Boba Fett. That like Boba Fett is just this thing where it's just a clone dies, and another clone takes the armor, and he's Boba Fett now until he dies, and then another clone takes the armor. I don't, Interesting. I don't like. I don't like that idea. I'll be blunt, like. It's interesting, but I feel like it just ruins the plot point of Django Fett specifically wanting a unaltered clone or whatever. But well, and he'd be whatever. I might be I might be overthinking this, but um, the other clones wouldn't be that age, right? Because they were all designed to age quicker, so he would be the only one that's that exact age. Yeah. But I guess there'd be multiple classes of clones, so one of them, there might be a whole class that's the same age as him. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb as a Star Wars fan with a un, unpopular Star Wars opinion. Uh, oh. I like the I, I totally like the look of Boba Fett, but I don't give yeah. two fucks about Boba Fett. There's some kind of shit. <laughs> sure. He's just a he's just a cool looking character who has no fucking bearing on anything. Who gives a shit? But I think that's why people like him because he's so mysterious. So they kind of want to do more 
more with them. And if of any any Star Wars uh, project, I would trust the Mandalorian to do way more interesting things with that character than just about any any of the movies or anything. So right, I was I was gonna say, and the other weird thing is, uh, it'll it might set up some interesting conflict because so far as I know, Boba Fett is not a Mandalorian. No. He is, no. Well, Jango Fett was not a Mandalorian, so there's no reason to believe Boba right. Fett no. would be, unless he somehow, there's a story in there that they have, they would have to tell us about how he became a Mandalorian. So yeah. that's, that's very interesting. And the, uh, what I don't know is, like, does Boba Fett think he's a Mandalorian? Does he assume because his dad had the armor? Because he was a child when his dad died, so... Um, yeah, see, I, I yeah, don't. Before, I don't know what the new continuity. The, yeah, see, that's the problem. Before the the new trilogy, I had always heard that he's not a Mandalorian, but wears the Mandalorian armor. Right. But yeah, who knows the, what if that is uh, true the, anymore? That's. That I was, was going to say true. in the in the original Legends continuity before they did the prequels, the army the armor was a trophy. He killed a Mandalorian and took his armor. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's def- it's definitely true that Jango Fett was not a Mandalorian in, in current continuity because it's referenced in I think in Clone Wars. They definitely yeah. state out loud that he's not a Mandalorian, right? So that's still canon. Yeah. Um. So the question then is, are we going to get a backstory to that armor flashbacks to Jango Fett how he got it? Who knows? Be its own whole fucking spinoff show for all I know. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting if this was like a redemption story arc for Boba Fett, like trying to make amends for all the horrible shit he did before he was s- swallowed and I assume spit out by a Sarlacc pit. Yeah, I assume we're going to get a story about how he got out. Yeah. Question then being too, like, because if the, the Great Dragon thing ate the Sarlacc, would the implication be that he could just then fly out the Kree Dragon mouth the way Mando did? I don't know. Yeah, and we're, I mean, were we to assume that was even the same Sarlacc pit that we I'm saw, basing, or was it? I'm yeah. basing it on the fact that Boba Fett was near it, so that's, okay. that's all I'm assuming. Location. Well, I, I was kind of assuming that explanation is about how the armor was retrieved but but if that's the case then how did boba fett get out of the pit you know you know what i mean yeah but. who knows maybe we'll get an explanation it's only episode one we got a whole season yeah to hopefully sure. figure it out so we'll probably we had the the really fun like with all the fantastic there just doing his flashback sequence and explaining everything that had gone on in that town from the basically from the end of episode uh, six right on through so if he can do all that in one scene, like, oh, he's, yeah. the char- like he's the character from Ant Man, then I'm sure later somebody will explain to us what happened. <laughs> so. um, do we hope we see uh, Timothy Oliphant again before the season's over? Yes, I would assume we will. Yeah, hope, hope and expect. Yeah, yeah, he was I, pretty I liked awesome. His, I liked him quite a bit. He was good. Um, um, and I don't know much outside of sort of the the movies and the. Uh, TV show. I haven't watched the cartoons. I need to. But apparently he's a character that has already existed before. 
I've heard that, but I don't. Uh, I don't know much about him. Can't place my. My hope is that this show goes eight seasons, mm. and that each season they introduce one badass side character, and then the entire last season is just a, a remake of Sam the Battle at the End of Seven Samurai, and it's just the Mandalorian. <laughs> His his friends just fucking shit up. Yeah, I'm down for that. Do you guys pick up on a lot of the funny strags? Uh, probably, but I'm nothing's yeah. coming to mind. Like what? Just what I'm here? The fact that his uh, speeder was made out of a pod racer. Oh yeah, yeah. It's fun. Apparently, if you look close enough, I only know this from watching like YouTube clips that there you can actually see where they've repaired Boba Fett's armor because of the damage that Han Solo did to it. Nice. So there's a lot and of kind of things like that. And they even do a throwback to to that, like in the uh in the end when Mando's coming up with his plan and knows that uh, it's super dangerous, so he's gotta get Timothy Oliphant out of the way and just like uh yeah, sorry about this and hits him in the old uh, jetpack, makes him fly off. It's pretty fun. And we get to see the fucking missile launcher, finally. Yeah, those, those jetpacks have a pretty serious flaw with getting hit down there toward the bottom. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? Nobody planned ahead for that. Um, but yeah, I was excited by, uh, by missile launcher, since we had never got a chance to actually see it. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed that. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I love that show because it's just, yeah. they're telling a good story, but they're also just having a blast doing it. You also get to watch like just them go to like Star Wars wrestling matches and feeding <laughs> evil dogs and shit. Oh yeah, and we got to see the uh, the pig guards or whatever the fuck they are fight I each other. Their names are. I forget their names all the time. And I guess. One one of those two Gamorians that's fighting Gamorians. is from, is, is from uh, the uh, the weird. I don't know if you guys remember. There was a video game that was a fighting video game for Star Wars. Oh yeah, yeah. He's one of the characters from oh, that video really? game. They canonized oh, okay. him. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I didn't uh, think the makeup on those guys looked that great. That's my big complaint about the show. Those two background characters that were fighting in a ring while our characters were having a discussion, our main characters were having a discussion, said <laughs> questionable makeup. Yeah, so I had talked to my friend Wes, who is a Star Wars fan, and he didn't watch uh, Mandalorian right away. Uh, did the typical, like, you know, I don't want to pay for another streaming service, which is like, fine, I understand. Um, so then he finally watched it, but he watched it like binge watched it. And when I asked him about it, he's like, yeah, it's okay. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like this show's fantastic. And that started to make me wonder if the show is not good. If you binge it, like, is it a show that you have to watch week to week to appreciate it more? Uh, I think that the people who make television now, know how to make shows that are for binging and shows that are for not binging yeah and so i would tend to think that considering how good the show is and how talented the people making it are that they have made it specifically so that you wait a week between episodes because when you think about it like shows that are like that you binge tend to be the ones that like each episode immediately feeds into the next 
Whereas Mandalorian yeah. does a pretty good job of, yes, there's a, a season arc, but they tend to be standalone stories, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't necessarily want to watch a bunch of standalone stories in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what that's kind of how I was feeling about it too. I did love at the beginning of the episode how irritated he is when that guy says Tatooine. He's like, I've spent a lot of fucking time on Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's on purpose, right? That's that's the that's them acknowledging that there's going to be a percentage of the audience that thinks it's dumb. They're going back to Tatooine. That's what I think. Yeah. Like, oh, all the action has to take place on, like, three planets in this entire galaxy? It's like, yeah, but Tatooine, two suns, come on. Plus, like, if you believe, if you want to assume that there's mythology behind all of this stuff, it makes sense that you'd naturally be brought back to the birthplace of, you know, the strongest of the Jedis. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. It's not not an exact science but at some point they always end up back there plus it just means one day they might go back to Hoth and I want them to go back to Hoth <laughs> I know they tricked us in Last Jedi they made it seem like it was going to be Hoth but it was really a salt planet yeah it's like you son of a bitch you imagine if they uh, go back to uh, Hoth and they find like a really old Wampa with one arm I'd be so happy <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you show a Wampa's old. I don't know exactly how that works. Doesn't matter. Just show him with one arm and that's good enough. Uh, uh, Alright, anything else about the first episode of Mandalorian? No, it was awesome. I'm Bay Episode 2 is going to be awesome. As well. I liked the... Uh, I, I, I loved them pulling out the Great Dragon Pearl at the end. Oh yeah, uh, you know what I liked? I like Mando cutting off a piece of meat and strapping it to a speeder. Yeah, and yeah, this <laughs> giant chunk of beef. Through all that effort, man, I'm gonna eat something. <laughs> Do you think he takes his helmet off in front of the child? That's actually a really solid question. Like, I just oh, fuck, I'm not sleeping tonight now, bro. <laughs> since it's, it's technically a like a baby, does that does that? constitute another person or it's 50 years old I just yeah but it's still like a still a baby in in yoda species timeline it is cute and adorable so i think that means technically you're allowed to take your helmet off in front of it i'm not sure i was i was gonna say what i when we're watching the episode and uh he said that the deal was everyone has to help kill the dragon and they'll leave the city alone as long as they get the body of the great dragon. I was like, well, yeah, they want that pearl. And then at the end, after they killed it, I just saw them all hacking up the meat and stuff. I was like, Oh, see, this is more native American crap where they're like, Oh, they've got to use every part of the great dragon. And then finally see, you see them rip the pearl out. And I was like, ah, ha, ha, they were really just fucking everybody. They took a valuable thing. <laughs> Well, they also took the meat. They all, it's, they, you know, they're not wasteful. See, my worry, I had a pit in my stomach that if the, after the Kray Dragon was killed, the horrible townsfolk were going to turn on the sand people. I was, and I was like, about that myself. I was like, come on, don't be, don't be, don't be horrible. And then it turns out it was okay. You guys really got into this. Well, I'm just saying we're 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 white Americans. We know how this works. 
seems like everything is going to be fine, but nah, we're just going to take everything and fuck you guys. I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> I'm just glad there's uh, another episode of Mandalorian tomorrow. Oh yeah, tomorrow. I don't I don't have to think about the election. Yes. How close it Today, is. Did they drop them at midnight? Yeah, we've recorded for so long that the new episode of The Mandalorian is right now. We can just all watch it. Oh, uh, yeah. Bonus commentary track. <laughs> I think I think Char might actually be mad at me for that one. <laughs> I've actually thought about this in advance and decided I've I made a decision earlier that I'm not going to watch it tonight because I want to wait till tomorrow morning when I have more energy yeah. to devote to it. Yeah, which means yeah, I gotta, first, first thing I in the watch morning it. with my coffee with my coffee staring at it. <laughs> but I watch I watch it with Amanda, so I got to wait till she gets home from work tomorrow. People in your mature adult relationships. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.